Heute kann ich da natürlich drüber lachen, aber war eigentlich gar nicht lustig. Aber man muss vielleicht dazu sagen, dass alle diese Hysterie, die der Kinski da mit sich gebracht hatte und ins Spiel gebracht hatte, immer produktiv gemacht worden ist. Das ist vielleicht das Wichtige dabei. Das Ganze klingt natürlich auch peinlich für mich oder peinlich für ihn, wie man es nehmen will. Aber immer ist daraus eine Szene dann entstanden. Und immer dann, wenn Kinski also so voll in Fahrt war und, und voll in Hysterie war, dann haben wir versucht... Also, also drehen wir jetzt los, was ich kann und drehe Scheiße runter. Ich spiele es jetzt so, ich spiele und aus, endlich aufhören würden, hier die Hausfrauenanweisungen zu geben. Sorgen Sie dafür, dass eine schöne Wettkampfregisseur, Sie müssen bei mir lernen. Sie sind Anfänger, ein Zwergenregisseur, das hier aber nicht eine Regisseur für mich. Beleidigen Sie mich jetzt. Beleidigen? Allein das ist ja eine Beleidigung. Herr Kinski, glauben Sie. Now, do you actually know stuff about Herzog and Kinski, or did you just want to be on a geek fight? Josh just told me he's like, "Hey, we need another guy," and I'm like, "All right." But do you and know? I, do you know Herzog, Klaus Kinski, uh, or Werner Herzog? Doesn't even ring a bell. See, you're no help to me. You're no help to me. What? Wait, what is it? Maybe, just go maybe I've seen it. Yeah, we're just doing four. It's all right. Yeah, you, 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 you probably know them transgenderly like I do, but not really. So what what are they? Is it anime or no no it's it's a director what and an actor. What did you just say? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, hey, okay, Chris, what what movies have they done? What movies have they done? Uh, what Grizzly Man is one of them. Uh, uh, Gear Red, of the Wrath of God. Red Dawn, right? Not Red Dawn. What is the name of that movie? Rescue Dawn. Rescue Dawn. Oh, I know. Yeah, I've seen that. Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Original. No, the, the one with William the William Defoe. They did the behind the scenes thing. Is that the one I'm No, that about? was uh Shadow of the Vampire. Oh, damn. See, see. Maybe not maybe another time. All right. All right. I know one movie. Yep. Well, go watch Grizzly Man. It's awesome. It's my favorite. <laughs> All right. When's the when's the next one coming? I don't know. Maybe right, well, never. Maybe never. Oh, Grizz isn't that the one the Grizzly Man the documentary where the guy killed himself or he got killed by the uh No no, you you, you were right. He killed himself. He killed himself. <laughs> killed himself. Yeah. When you play grizzly. with grizzly bears, you die. So yes, yeah, so like, I, I got it's like, don't worry guys, I got this. I got this. No, like, no, no. No. No, no. I gotta hang up on you now. Alright, I'll catch you guys later. Yeah. Bye. 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 We don't need we don't need a fifth person that doesn't know anything, because that's me. Welcome to Geek Fights, the Ponzi scheme of podcasting. I'm Damon Shaw. With me, as always, is Mr. Mike Ortiz. Mike, what are we fighting about? Uh, it is Werner Herzog versus Klaus Kinski. Um, so who's with us tonight, Damon? Well, we've got Christy Woke. Hello. Mike D. What's going on, everybody? And Greg Blanchard. Hello. Uh, there's nobody else because Michael Felcher is very, very sick. He's vomiting and he was going to be on here. You just heard uh, Raj because I'm sure Michael isn't editing anything because that's how Michael rolls. But Mike. we kicked him out. Well, you heard that too. And Josh just yelled at me for kicking him out too, which is even funnier. What do you say? I don't know. I, I'll look at it in a second. But uh, Mike, how do the uh, fights work? 
Well, this is a, a versus. So on one side of our brackets, which you can download from our website at geekbytes.net, we have Werner Herzog, 16 things related to Werner Herzog. The other side, we've got 16 that are Klaus Kinski uh, between these two fa- these famous collaborators. Too many people, not everybody. Some of you won't get it, but listen anyway. You'll learn something. Um, and uh, we pit one against the other. Uh, we put it to a vote. Each moves on until the end. We have the best of Werner Herzog versus the best of Klaus Kinski. And then they duke it out and we see who wins. All right. Uh, and there's this pre-recorded message, maybe. Uh, sure, why not? Yeah, right now, pre-recorded message. If Webster's Dictionary were enlightened enough to have an entry on Geek Logic, it would define it as any argument you can use to back up your choice. You define the terms any way you like, as long as it supports your claim and makes sense to you. Vagina. So, oh, that explains a lot, actually. Well, we had to cancel out the penises from before, so yeah. vaginas. Edits. Edit. Edit. Uh, the power of editing. Uh, that was actually hilarious for those of us that were on the call, or if <laughs> Mike doesn't put it in there. <laughs> Because if he wasn't. doesn't put the penises in the vaginas, I'm lost now. What's no, going no, on? No, it's kind of a visual thing. Anyway, I would think so. Hey, let's face it, still, there's at least a 15% chance I'm not even recording. Are you are you recording, Mike? Well, it recording. says that, but I don't trust anything these days. Uh, I don't trust you at all. Christy, this first fight is yours. Uh, we're in the Huzzog. Uh, he hypnotized the entire cast of Heart of Glass for more convincing performances versus uh, the documentary from uh, one second to the next about the dangers of texting and driving. What? Yes, Damon, did you not know about this? Because I know how much you hate things that are about, like commercials that are about texting and driving. Um, he did a couple shorts, but then he made a full-length um documentary called from one second to the next um you should watch it but uh it's hard to watch um i'm voting for hypnotize the entire cast of heart of glass for the more convincing performances because heart of glass is one of my favorite herzog films and gosh that whole movie is so ethereal and it's like you're moving around in a mist and it's beautiful and that should definitely go into the next round. It's much more heart sog than than the texting dangers of texting is. So, yeah. Mister Ortiz. Yeah, I think that uh, that pretty much sums it up. Uh, I think any any director could make a movie about texting, um, but uh, only Werner Herzog would hypnotize his entire cast. So uh, that is much more Herzog. Mike D. Uh, yeah, the documentary from one second to the next, I think it's about 34, 35 minutes long. And the only reason that that impresses me at all that he made it was because in general, I find Werner Herzog to be an egomaniacal asshole. And the fact that he actually you know, took time to do something that was so socially conscious and outside himself impressed me a lot. And it kind of took a little hate out of my heart, at least for a moment um when he hypnotized the entire cast 
for me, it was probably more that he just like lulled them into a sense of boredom and they figured that it was just better to do what he wanted. Otherwise, they were just going to get more lectures. So um, I'm actually going to vote for the documentary from one second to the next. You're not a happy person. <laughs> Greg? Well, I'm going to vote for Heart of Glass. And the main reason is, as others have said, this guy's just got such a weird way of interacting with actors. You can you can put it as a negative, you can put it as a positive, but Heart of Glass captures that much better than the weirdness of doing a normal documentary. But not as well as Bondi. Bondi's Heart of Glass was much better. <sighs> anyway, you know, I heard, I'll I agree with him today. on that. <laughs> I heard that today in the airport. There you go. Weird. Uh, Outro a, music. <laughs> on to our next fight, Mike. This one is yours. Uh, Warner was shot while doing an interview by a gun, and he continued the interview. I think he punched the guy, but he continued the interview. Uh, versus as crazy as Fitzcarraldo. Um, now I've I've heard the story. I've not seen the video. I don't know. Is there video? I'm not really sure. It, Michael it's on YouTube. You can this. see it. Um, and doesn't he basically just say, oh, "Well, it wasn't really that bad a shot," and continues. So that I mean, that is very Werner Herzog. But uh, him being as and, and whoever put this on here actually said it much better than uh, than this. And this was the the basis of the movie Burden of Dreams, which is actually a, a great documentary and a fascinating movie uh, in and of itself. So because either, both of them are very Herzog, but one of them also gives us a movie which in itself is very Herzog. I will vote for as crazy as Fitzgeraldo. Mike D. E. Um, being shot and continuing the interview obviously is, is very badass, no matter who you are. Um, you know, I, I've seen Fitzcarraldo and I think the fact that he's as crazy as the characters he creates, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a good thing. I, I don't think that life imitating art in this sense is a good thing. Um, my only sadness is that he was shot in his interview, but he didn't die from it so i can't really vote for that since he survived it so by default i'm gonna have to vote for he was as crazy as Fitzcarraldo. uh if you guys haven't picked up on it yet uh mike d's kind of a troll it's pretty awesome that's, <laughs> no, no, why, no. that's why mike d you better watch what you say uh I'm just saying right now because i'm about fight, to mike. jump all over you uh oh Ooh. all right Ooh. <laughs> uh greg I'm a weak-willed Jewish man. I have no, you're no, I'm no match for you, Christy. It's not a fair fight. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the best way to the best way to word the I'm the one who put Fitzcarraldo and Burden of Dreams on the list. The one the one film shoot gave us two great movies. It's happened before, uh, Apocalypse Now and 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 the documentary around that are also a good example of two great movies. But these really came right on top of each other, and, and obviously the the storyline was that. Yeah, Herzog is just as nuts as uh, as the character that he was presumably doing an expose on. So, Fitzcarraldo and Christie. Okay, so this will be our first opportunity to talk about crazy and the merits of crazy because we think it's cool and badass versus crazy is is crazy and that's bad. Now, I feel having not met the man, but um following his work over the years that Herzog is indeed crazy. He is crazy and self-absorbed, but he isn't necessarily evil. 
We'll get to the self-absorbed crazy evil in the next brackets. So that being set aside and taken away from these two that I need to pick from right now, um, I'm going to say being shot and continuing the interview, he got shot while being interviewed. And he's like, oh, it's nothing, a flesh wound, a flesh wound. And the interviewer's like, whoa, whoa, are you okay? Are you okay? He's like, no, no, I'm totally fine. Finishes the interview. And it turns out he'd been shot in the fucking stomach with a bullet. <laughs> um, I think that's fucking badass as shit. And not that Fitzgeraldo isn't badass, but the fact that he's crazier than the Kinski character. Excuse me. That um, the character Kinski is portraying and Fitzgeraldo. I don't really care. I am going to, sh to be voting for being shot and continuing the interview. A vote for being shot in the stomach and continuing the interview, but he is as crazy as Fitzcarraldo, and that is moving on, and we're on to our next fight. Mike D., this one is yours. It is the land of silence and darkness versus stole camera because he felt he has a right to it. Okay, so here's the thing about that. Okay, when he was, I believe, at the Munich Film School or whatever, and he said this in the, I forget which commentary, which movie it was, but this is a story that, that he himself told, that he, he stole the camera from the school because he felt he had such a gift, he had such a natural right to it that it really even shouldn't even be considered theft, and that is that really just kind of encapsulates why I can't stand this man, because no matter how talented he is, and there's no denying He's talented. He's just a dick. He's just a big fucking dick. And, you know, just that I, land of silence and darkness, whatever. But just the fact that he's such a, it just it makes kind of explains why I hate him. I have to vote for his ridiculous rationale for stealing the camera. Although, according to him, he didn't even steal the camera. So this wouldn't even exist as an option so in his world i would have to vote for land of silence and darkness and since that's what herzog would want me to do i'm definitely voting for stole the camera <laughs> uh greg all right land of silence and darkness is a 1971 documentary i haven't seen and i'm going to vote against it for for just one reason that he also made fata morgana that year another 1971 documentary and of the two and I could be totally wrong. I could watch them both and say, wow, what a crap choice this was. But of the two, I'd rather watch the uh, the Saharan Desert with Leonard Cohen singing documentary than Land of Silence and Darkness. So I'm going to vote for Stole a Camera because he felt he has a right to it. Uh, Christy. Now this comes down to what thing do we like more than the other or what thing makes him more of a badass? Normally, when we have the versus so-and-so versus so-and-so, we do the what makes him more of a badass. Um, in this case, obviously, the stealing of the camera is the badass thing. Um, film students from all around the world ask him, how did you get started? How can I get started? How can I get started? And he says, Still steal a camera, steal a camera. Of course, these days, it's not so simple to just steal a 35-millimeter camera. Well... Not only that, all the cameras are digital now, so maybe it'll be easier to steal a digital camera. I don't know. You don't but even Land need of, to steal it now. 
I know. You can just buy one for a thousand or two dollars. Um, or use your phone. No, that's still the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's how my daughter makes movies. That's different. Yeah, it's different. In 20 anyway, years, people will look um, back at that argument and laugh. Um, Han- um, sorry. Uh, Land of Silence and Darkness is one of his best documentaries. It's beautiful. Um, it's about a deaf-blind like, German Christy, woman. Did you say beautiful or boring? I couldn't hear you. Beautiful uh, or boring? Beautiful? I, I'm just clarifying. I, 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 did, I did say beautiful. Thank I would you. never say boring. Um, Clearly. <laughs> clarification. Okay. Clarification has been cleared. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful film about a deaf-blind German woman. Um and it, it really in, it investigates human thought and how people communicate with each other um, and um, follows this woman and all the charitable groups that she's um, made and um, started. It, it's it really, I say, land, I put Land of Silence and Dark here on, on here because I feel like it's probably his best documentary. And I'm not talking about Grizzly bear encounters at the end of the world. The ones that are like <laughs> Herzogian kind of making fun of the subject matter. And this is a true documentary. It's beautiful. Um, and if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. And uh, I will definitely be voting for something beautiful that Herzog made. Mike. Uh, I am going to vote for stealing the camera. Um, because I actually completely agree with him. Um, oh, come on. Really? He, you know, he did it and he, guess what? He was really good at it and he and was brilliant at stealing. It. You know what? And, and you know, it, he can pay the camera back. He can give them a dozen cameras. Difference is the guy actually did it. He stood up. He broke the law. He stole a camera. Hell, every one of us has fucking broken the law. I broke the law driving home today. Stealing a camera? Yeah, it's a bad thing, and he should pay for it. And he should be rep. He should certainly give them back the camera or give well, them something better. And you no, know what? That's irrelevant because that. without that, we wouldn't have gotten it's all a, of this great stuff. And I don't care if he's dead. It's the how many people? I don't care. I first of all, it's my fucking turn. You guys talked already. Thing. Shut up. Sorry, well, no, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I'm like, how, um, but okay, still, he's such a fucking asshole. I don't care if he's an asshole. Do you know? He's an asshole who has an amazing ability to do fucking things. And I don't, I don't care if he's an asshole. He's never been an asshole to me. Yeah, not to I don't know either. anybody who's been an asshole to me. I hear stories, but I hear stories about a lot of people, so I'm not going to judge him on that. I don't think like, what he did was wrong, but I've stolen things, too. Things worth as much as a camera. Hey, I've done it. Lots of people have. I know people on this panel who have. Um, so it's not that big a deal relative to the work that he has contributed. There's an old saying, I don't know where it came from, that a true artist would run over his grandmother in pursuit of great art. And and that's, some people believe that. that that's more important. Well, then some people are fucking idiots if they actually believe that statement. Not what you're saying, but that statement's ridiculous. And camera theft is moving on into the next <laughs> round. <laughs> and fuck you, Mike. I'm the only person you know in real life. You just said I stole a bunch of shit. Oh, come on. Hey, you cop to it, too. I you guys in real life. Hey, I've met Mike in real life. <laughs> anyway. Hey, we've admitted to it on the show. I know. 
I'll look for it next time. Uh, Greg, this one is yours. It is my favorite documentary of all time. Grizzly Man versus Making Little Dieter, then remaking it as Rescue Dawn. Um, yeah, you know, I got a confession to make on this one. Grizzly Man is one of the recent documentaries I haven't seen, but I'm familiar with it. And I feel like I'm, I'm going to put it, put my vote behind Grizzly Man just because I think elsewhere we're going to see the range that Herzog has done and his techniques of uh, bl- blowing something up small into bigger. And, and Grizzly Man is probably number one right there with Fata Morgana on movies that I need to see from him that I haven't seen yet. Uh, vote for Grizzly Man. <laughs> Christy. I believe you are muted. I was just thinking. Um, Grizzly Man is not my favorite of his documentaries by far. And I put his documentaries in two different categories. The real true documentaries that he just thought of or heard of something amazing and he wanted to make a film about it and the what the fuck is this and gonna make fun of the subject matter the whole time and grizzly man falls into that letter category i think that encounters of the end of the world is way funnier than grizzly man and if i wanted to uh do this on the merit of oh this is a great documentary then his newer documentary um what's it called you know, Cave his newest stuff. Cave of Forgotten Dreams? No, no, no. Into the Abyss. The one about oh, the prisons and, like, um, death row inmates. Um, that was amazing. And that had no goofiness in it at all. Mm. Even though we loved the goofiness in, in Herzog. Um, so if it comes down between the two, I will say the being such a badass that you don't feel stupid for remaking one of your movies. I think that's fucking awesome. So I'm going to do that. Mr. Ortiz? Yeah, I'm definitely voting for uh, Little Deer and Rescue Dawn. Um, A lot of directors move between documentary and narrative film uh, a lot. Uh, Not as as much as him. I mean, like I know Scorsese does, but not certainly his, his narrative far outweighs. I can't think of any other director that I know of that some that it's weighted so much in both and has actually done very good stuff in both. And I think this is really a cool example of exploring a subject matter from one angle coming back years later, uh, a different person um, with a, certainly a different budget and a different technology and even a different kind of target audience uh, and retelling the same story and telling it very, very well. Uh, Christian Bale was amazing in that movie. You know, when people talk about, uh, you know, him being a great actor. And it's like, in Batman, you don't see any great acting. In that movie, you see great acting. In The Machinist, you see great acting. You really don't. You Ben Affleck is a good enough actor to play Batman. You don't have to be good to be Batman. But Christian Bale is good, and Rescue Dawn is good. And uh, and I'm voting for it. Uh, Mike D. Okay, first of all, Chris- oh, never mind. I thought I was going to say something I wasn't going to say. Okay, so... I'm glad Into the Abyss is not on here because that's actually what made me hate Werner Herzog in the first place. So um, I was kind of worried that Christy will end up hating me more than she's already going to end up hating me. But that's not on the list. Um, I think that uh, Christy was 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 right in the fact that he it 
Grizzly Man, I'm assuming it wasn't meant to be taken terribly seriously because it did seem like he he was more mocking than than documenting. And in my opinion, one of my big issues with Herzog that I'm sure everybody else on this panel will disagree with is that I think that, that he has a tendency to insert himself way too much in into his, his documentary films. I don't think that he should have as big a presence as he does. Um, I like the things that everybody said about the fact that he, you know, was was re-will, uh, re-will, willing to remake one one of his own films and and do a really good job of it. That does that does kind of uh, go against my personal impression and opinion of him about him being, you know, such an egomaniac. Because if he was truly that level of egomaniac, then I don't think he'd be capable of of remaking it. So since, um, I mean, I didn't hate Grizzly Man, but I definitely wasn't a fan of it. And if I were to say to someone, hey, you should check out Herzog's work, Grizzly Man wouldn't be anywhere even close to something I would recommend. So I will vote for uh, making Little Dieter than remaking as Rescue Dawn. Makes me sad. Uh, Grizzly Man to me is still hilarious. But... (laughs) Making of Little Dieter and then remaking Rescue, remaking it as a Rescue Dawn is moving on. We're on to our next fight. This is where it gets confusing for me. Uh, <laughs> Christy, this one is yours. It is Werner Herzog eats his own shoe versus the incident at Loch Ness. This is really easy for me. Um, Herzog has been known to cameo or even star in some really shitty movies for film, you know, coming up or the people who are like just get starting out. Um, Werner Herzog eats his shoe. Werner Herzog bet Errol Morris that he couldn't get. Um, oh, what's his pet cemetery movie? Gates of heaven. Gates of heaven. He couldn't get gates of heaven finished. And he did. He said, if you get that finished, I'll eat my own shoe. And he got it finished. So he let um, Errol Morris record him eat his own shoe, which, of course, he he boiled and added some stuff to. But it's on camera. He eats his whole fucking shoe. That's pretty fucking badass. That's what I'm voting for. Uh, Vote for eating his own shoe. Mike? Uh, Well, that is awesome. And... uh... And is quite honorable, in fact. Um, I'm gonna. I'm voting for an incident at uh, Loch Ness, which is. I think it's this fa- this really cool idea. He, it's a fake documentary. It's actually directed by Zach Penn, I believe. Is that correct? One of yes. you people who knows film better than I do. Um, but it's a fake. Werner Herzog documentary, but it is, you know, it's, it's like, I don't know, is it found footage style? I don't really remember, but just the idea of doing this documentary about looking for the Loch Ness monster that he is a part of. And Hey, here's, here's one where he's literally inserted himself into someone else's fake documentary, uh, in a, a not fake movie or in a fake movie a real movie. I don't know what I'm saying here, but in any event, this kind of weird blending of fiction and reality, I just thought it was a totally clever and unique and fun idea. And the fact that he actually went along with it and, and participated in something that actually, you know, didn't even portray him in the best light uh, was really just kind of an interesting thing for him to do. Mike D. 
I know this is actually going to be hard for you guys to believe, but I actually have positive things to say about Herzog for both of these. Um, the incident at, at Loch Ness, I think, you know, Mike, Mike summed it up pretty well. I think the fact that, you know, if I remember correctly, it was kind of like, like you said, like kind of like a movie within a movie type of thing. And it, it really showed that he has a sense of humor and he is able to make fun of himself. And, and I think that's pretty impressive. Um, the, the Werner Herzog eats his shoe. Um, that also, you know, again, I've, I've, I've been spewing Herzog hate for, for a while now, but you know, the fact is, you know, like Christie said, he, he followed through on what may even have been an offhanded comment that, you know, if this person finished what he said he was going to finish, that he would eat his shoe. And that, that shows a tremendous commitment as an artist that you want other people to follow through with their dreams and their visions so strongly that you are willing to literally eat your own shoe. And not only did he eat it, but like Christy said, he made it into a whole production and they cooked it up in a pot and they were talking about the seasoning for it. And he really went, he really went full force in it. He didn't even, he didn't do it half-assed. He went and, you know, and he actually ate the damn shoe. So, you know, is, I don't know how you could vote against that. I thought incident at Loch Ness was good and Zach Penn was great and all that, but Werner Herzog eats his shoe. I mean, you know, that, that level of commitment and, you know, at the end of the day, no matter what, you know, obviously he is the real deal and the, and you know, the fact that he ate his shoe and this, this documenting of that, I think that that's, that's a pretty cool thing. So I'm going to vote for that. Greg. Yeah. When, um, when the gold rush was made and, uh, you know, Charlie Chaplin was shooting scenes of him eating his shoe and his starvation, you know, during, uh, during an isolation, a period of isolation up in the mountains, that was licorice. This was really a shoe. I'm going to vote for eats his own shoe. Eats his own shoe is moving on. We're on to our next fight. That's going to be you, Mike, because I wrote all everybody's name and then Michael said he's not in it. Now it messes everything up. Uh, but Mike, this one is yours. It yeah, is. A, oh, go ahead. Sorry. What? What? Go ahead. Huh? It is the Herzog Kinski box set from Anchor Bay hmm, versus Cobra Verde. Is a pimp, is a stone cold pimp. Uh, yeah, I mean, Michael and I actually had kind of planned uh, to, to sort of answer or talk about this one uh, together because this is a project from Anchor Bay that that both of us had worked on. Um, it is a, a box set of all five of their films plus the documentary "My Best Fiend," which is a documentary about their relationship. Can I interrupt for a second? Sure. This should be the Herzog box set. Why? Because the Herzog-Kinski box set is on the other bracket. I know. It's on both. Oh, you did it on both? Yes, intentionally. Yeah. yeah. There, w- there was a, an elaborate plan involved in this oh, that will so not happen now. I'm sorry that it won't like, happen. In any event. Um, there was basically, we were going to, it's, it's actually a very fascinating story about how the whole project sort of evolved and came together. And over subsequent rounds, we were going to kind of, uh, talk about it because it was a project both of us worked on at Anchor Bay. Uh, it, it for me, it is the definitive thing about Herzog and Kinski because that's where I first were introduced to them by working on this particular box set. Um, and it was actually something that that the the one lone time in both of our kind of careers in doing this where actually everything came together and executed exactly the way. Uh, 
creative wanted to with absolutely no compromises the whole way. It is astounding that it actually even happened. And the fact that it was hugely successful just completely gratified us. So we were going to talk about that whole thing, um, but we're not. So I will vote for it because technically it contains the movie Cobra Verde. So if you vote for the Herzog Kinski box set, you actually are getting Cobra Verde as a Stone Cold Pimp. <laughs> uh, Mike D? Um, well, it's interesting because I am I thought that, I, I mean, I, Cobra Verde, the, the character, I thought it was going to be on the Kinski side, but I guess it doesn't really matter because here we are here we are so um yeah that 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 well i'll start with the actually with the box set because um all of this started for me when i went to review the film into the abyss and i absolutely hated it and i was on a panel with michael felcher and we disagreed about that i don't remember the specifics but we disagreed fairly strongly and i remember discussing it with chris brown and he lent me his uh the box set, the Anchor Bay box set. So I actually, instead of just hating something without reason, I actually watched all of those films and ended up hating them both for good reasons. But I did my due diligence and I actually, you know, became somewhat learned on this subject and not not just ignorant. Um, the character Cobra Verde, you know, he he is a pimp. I mean, he literally just was a survivor and he he took what he wanted and. You know, in real life, that might suck. But in terms of a character, you know, he was pretty awesome, you know, because there weren't a whole lot of words. as There aren't in a lot of these films because the visual is really the the strength. So, um, you know, but Mike did make a compelling argument that if you're voting for Cobra Verita, you in effect are voting for the box set. And, uh, you know, I would love for Mike and Michael to get self-gratification. So I will vote for the Herzog Kinski box set from Acre Bay. <laughs> Greg? I don't know what I'm going to do with the box set on the other side of this bracket, but we'll wait till we get there. I'm going to vote for the box set because to me, it, it fits better as a director box set as far as it goes. And these are the movies that introduced me to Herzog. So yeah, it's solid collection. Christy, is it a clean sweep? Well, not only does this include some um, amazing film if you were to maybe get it and want to learn about Herzog. The packaging is beautiful. It's so simple and clean. Um, It's one of my favorite things on my shelf. So I was definitely going to vote for it anyway. Wait, so did Mike send that to you or did you buy that? Oh, no, I've had it for like 12 years. Bizarre. A million years. And you know the two people who helped create it. It is strange. Not helped. Okay. Did it. <laughs> helped as in you did the art and Michael is the one that actually probably... What did Michael do in this scenario? Oh, I, I'll mention it on the, on the other side of the bracket. Okay. All right. Uh, but the box set... <laughs> I would say that Mike is more of a Herzog and Michael's more of a Kinski. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Now I'm really uh, mad he's not here. The box set <laughs> he would agree moving though. on. Uh, we are on to our next fight. That's yours, Mike D. It is his appearance on The Simpsons versus his third documentary, uh, 3D, sorry, documentary, Cave of Forgotten Dreams. 
okay, so his his appearance on The Simpsons was was pretty cool, and I believe he he played a character who was a grown up Augustus Gloop, uh, and he uh, he it was the one where uh, Homer's dad um, and all the old folks I think ended up on this pill that Herzog's character had had created, but. Uh, the the you know and uh, the the show the episode itself from what I gathered from the research I did wasn't necessarily that well received but Herzog's role in it was um, but I just thought it was fitting that someone like Herzog would play a character who creates a drug where the side effects are the fact that people's eyes become so lubricated that they pop out of their sockets and lose their eyes so that's just fitting that kind of an ass would create something you know like that um the documentary um i have not seen the documentary but i watched a clip of herzog on colbert um and it was a really really entertaining interview um you know because they're both so intelligent and colbert has such a great sense of humor and herzog tries to have such a great sense of humor and but he just made a comment that that really really annoyed me um and so therefore like i was starting to like him and then it just made me hate him again so since i like the simpsons in general and i kind of can't stand herzog again i'm gonna vote for his appearance on the simpsons uh craig well you know mike d's not wrong about herzog putting himself intrusively into documentaries and cave of forgotten dreams is a good example of that uh, relatively bad behavior but I'm going to give it a left-handed compliment and I'm going to vote for it because I saw the Blu-ray recently feeling like the Blu-ray would be a good enough way of catching it, having missed it in the cinema. And yeah, it really didn't hold up for me. It didn't deliver the visual punch. I expected it to deliver, which only tells me that maybe the decision to put this thing in 3d was the right move. I've never seen it in that format, but the footage itself is, is good. It's very nice. Perhaps in 3d, it, it pops the way it should have. And, would have had the the impact on me that I think the director sort of thought it would. Cave of Forgotten Dreams. Christy. I maybe need somebody else to tell me about the Herzog appearance on The Simpsons because I didn't see it. Can someone else tell me? I do believe it was the adult Augustus Gloop from Willy Wonka. <laughs> and right. the way he says Gloop is priceless. I can't I can't imagine. I need to hear it. Okay. Well, we'll take a quick YouTube break, and we're back. No, I'm okay. I don't really care that much. Um, I will go for Cave of Forgotten Dreams because it was the first real 3D documentary of something that was so important. These the, the paintings they found were way older than we thought we had started drawing on the walls. So, not only that, plus... You don't go to see a Herzog documentary without him saying, like, the weaves of grass. This is, that's a Woody Allen thing, but the, there's weaves and weaves of grass. You don't get, um, and I'm also thinking of the beginning of Casper Hauser. He, he's going to do that. That's why you go see it. He, he's endearing to me. His um, forced... Um, um, narrations are a part of the appeal to me, so I will be voting for uh, Cave of Forgotten Dreams. Ortiz! 
I uh, I'm definitely voting for Cave of Forgotten Dreams. Um, I have seen it in 3D, and uh, and it is spectacular. Um, this was a really clever and intelligent, and really just kind of. I guess I'm not, I can't really find the word for it, but, but to document these places in this manner is, is really kind of a brilliant use of the technology. We will never be able to see these, uh, the state that they are in only basically only scientists are going to go. So unless any of us are going to decide to hook up some nice PhDs in history or archeology span or whatever, they're never going to let us in there to see this the way that we can see so many amazing things in our world. Um, but this using 3d in this manner gives us that ability. And yeah, he inserts himself in, but you kind of have to, I mean, you, there, you, there's the railing that you can move on. Uh, all of this stuff, uh, is, is so very specific. And then he still finds ways to communicate stories about the people involved, the backstories of the people who are working on the project. Um, capturing beautiful full footage of the area that it's in and somehow albino alligators. Um, and I think him <laughs> inserting himself into the movie is not a bad thing. There is a school of thought that basically says the notion that documentaries that, that take this very objective voice are somehow more, I don't know, truthful because they are objective is, is a bullshit thing because every documentary is a director's choices left and right as to what put in what to put in what to talk about in the first place and the idea of a detached director is really just kind of uh dishonest and artificial and getting out and saying this is what interests me in this story instead of just presenting it as it is the story to be presented is a more honest way to present the information uh, so I think that's a, that's an amazing quality in his movies and some people don't, Hey, that's fine. But for me, knowing this is just as much about knowing why he does this as much as what he's doing. I'm fascinated by that as much as, as much as anything that, that, that uh, Herzog does. So it's, it's easily cave of forgotten dreams. And cave of forgotten dreams is into the next round. Uh, we're at the last fight of the uh, Herzog stuff in the first round. It's the unknown fight. Uh, Greg, this one is yours. Shot a film on every continent first and only person to do it so far, only director to do it so far, versus Jared's first unknown pick, which I will, I, I, they are tied together. Uh, and he, he writes in his email, none of this is confirmed by other sources. He just remembers uh, it from stories from film school. But while shooting Wrath of God, he fired a gun in the air to make Kinski's action more authentic. Kinski storms into his tent saying he's quitting the movie. Herzog goes into the tent, points the gun at him, and says, you're finishing the movie. So that is the, the Herzog part of this story. <laughs> uh, Greg, that's yours. Uh, well, that's that's tempting, and I I like the idea of having a bias toward the unknown pick. But I really truly am impressed by his ability to get the financing and to deliver the uh, results, uh, shooting you know on every single continent. I mean, the real hard part there is obviously Antarctica. But when you look at the just the date range of when was he in Africa the first time to when he was in Antarctica, you're talking about 1971 to you know, somewhere around 2009 or 10. Uh, he's been he's been doing this all along. 
and probably unintentionally until the point where you realize, hey, I'm shooting a documentary in, doc in, in Antarctica. That means there's no other continent for me to stand on. A vote for continent. Christy. Well, I agree that it is very cool that he is the only director to have filmed full-length films or documentaries on all seven continents. However, I really, really like Aguirre, like most Herzog fans, and I have heard that, indeed, Kinski wanted to leave and quit the production, and he had Herzog had to, by gunpoint, force him to stay and keep him watched so he wouldn't run. Um, and I'm just going to go on which thing is a more badass thing, and I think maybe the... I'm just going to say Aguirre. Um, I'm sorry. Wrath of God? Yes. It's Aguirre, Wrath of God, so oh. you should call it Aguirre. He says Wrath of God. I know, but it's Aguirre, Wrath of God. <laughs> Mr. Like Wrath of Khan is Star yeah. Trek Wrath of Khan. Uh, uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Ortiz? Uh, I am going to vote for Shot of Film on Every Continent um, because that, I mean, if that, that is actually quite an impressive accomplishment. Um, you know, one of the things that, that makes lists like this interesting is, is when people actually do something, uh, truly unique things that other people haven't done. Um, really, you know, kind of, kind of cool. And while the, the, a Gary story is fantastic. There are already two story, two things on the other side of this list that involve threatening Klaus Kinski's life. Um, I think we'll no, have enough right. discussion of that uh, in in this episode. I changed my vote. You're right, because it all has to do with Kinski, that asshole. All right, uh, Mike D. Is it a clean sweep? Fuck no, it's not a clean sweep. Are you, I, no, no. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be like a dick here, but I don't see what's so impressive about the fact that he shot a film on every continent. I mean, part of the Part of the magic of filmmaking is you can turn a set or you can turn one location into looking like another location. It, 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 uh, maybe I'm just a curmudgeon, but, you know, I, th this piece of information does not No, it, it just doesn't do anything for me. It's just not. I mean, I, it's obviously not a negative. It, it, it is impressive on some level, but no, it doesn't make me dribble all over myself. I don't understand this whole everybody's going gaga over it. No, I think the fact that. You know, I mean, in general, the, the the I mean, the other story I've heard I've heard from other people too. So I'm assuming it it did happen, and it wasn't uncommon for those two to have a little you know hissy fit cat fight. But you know, the fact that gunplay got involved, you know, you know, does kind of make it kind of cool. But just because I'm really just so just I'm not impressed. Maybe I should be, but I'm just not impressed with the whole you know shot of you know shot a film, you know, make a film in your basement and make it look like you've been in Antarctica and every other continent, I think might be, you know, a bigger accomplishment. So no, I just, I don't like that pick at all. So I'm, I'm going for the unknown gunfight confrontation. Well, good. I'm glad that you're just wrong. At least according to the panel, seven continents shooting films on all seven it's, continents. It's impressive on. to have been on seven continents, regardless of whether or not you made a fucking movie there. 
guess. I guess. And by the way, Christy, I doubt that it was accidental. I'm sure with his ego, that was an intention from early on in his career. I'm sure that it was it because of Kinski. He had to have a gun around to defend himself at all times. <laughs> and speaking no, I, of I Kinski, about, yeah, we are going yeah. to jump into the Kinski side. Uh, let's see. That one says Michael. So it is Greg. This fight is yours. It is uh, started with Kinski. Scuff. Please kill Mr. Kinski. A short film directed by a uh, director by what? Director of Crawl Space. Oh, by director of Crawl Space. Director. Oh, whatever. Versus craziest eyes. I was typing ever. this on a laptop. <laughs> well, I can be persuaded here, but I'm going to start the voting off with the best crazy eyes ever. It's it's a little irresistible. So let's start there. Uh, Christy. Seriously, the only other person I can think of that has crazy eyes is Galron, and Kinski scares me. He scares me. So I'm going to vote for best crazy eyes ever. Uh, Mr. Ortiz. And did you guys see the the documentary? No. Okay. I, this is another one. Let me, let me just put it to you like this. If Michael were here, he would change your vote because I, I watched it with him. He's the one who actually showed it to me and he, he remembers it much better. And it is someone talking about how completely impossible it was to work with him on this set. Um, Things like uh, he would say action and Kinski would freak out and say, all of my life directors have been yelling action. I don't want to hear action anymore. And they're like, well, what would you like us to yell? And he's like, nothing. I will begin when I begin. And they would sit and wait and he would just start. And then the director would yell cut and he's no, no cuts. I don't want to hear you yell cut anymore. No, we will end when I'm done. And they all had to put up with it. They couldn't fire him because he was the only name attached and their um, financing would have gotten pulled if they, if they took him out of the movie. So they couldn't do anything. I mean, he basically did what he wanted to. And someone realized that if he died on the set, the insurance would cover the loss of the financing and they could finish the film with another actor. So people on the set on the film crew were begging the director to let them set up an accident to kill him, to get the insurance money. And this is all true. And when he tells you the stories of why you completely understand and agree with it. And Michael remember, remembers the stories much better than I do. And again, this is the second time a bunch of people on a set have threatened, have, have asked if they could kill him. So that's Kinski. Yeah, I suppose I've been swayed. <laughs> Sound like yeah. Uh all right. Uh Mike yeah. B. Okay, so basically, Mike, everything you just described, you just described my friend's three year old toddler. Okay. I don't wanna act when a director says act. I don't wanna cut when the director says cut. Well, you're a fucking actor. So you act when the director says act. And you cut when the director says cut. You're not a toddler. You don't throw a tantrum. The fact that he did that and is known for that, it's ridiculous. This guy was such a fucking clown. I applaud the fact that it was called Please Kill Mr. Kinski. The fact that nobody followed up with it is kind of upsetting, although he's dead now anyway, so I guess it doesn't matter. But I, I just don't understand why his, his behavior, which is it's childish and it's infantile, gets 
gets almost lauded, you know. And the truth is, though, you know, in, in the movies of his that I have seen, he does have some pretty damn crazy eyes. So I think because of the lack of the follow through of the killing of Mr. Kinski, combined with the fact that he truly did have, I mean, I honestly can't think of someone else who has even as crazy eyes, if not crazier. So I'm voting and I'm not going to change my vote for best crazy eyes ever. All right. So it's all tied up. And uh, because the panel is uh, even number, I'm the tiebreaker. But I do. I, I don't remember what Klaus Kinski looks like. I'm going to go Klaus. I'm going to type into Google Klaus Kinski crazy eyes and then see the crazy got crazy eyes see what they come my money's up with. on cobra verde uh they're not that crazy maybe maybe he has to be moving maybe he has to be moving look at him in nosferatu i can see it, it, it's it's there they're not that crazy oh my god he looks like he's going they're gonna pop out he's but i'm gonna dude you gotta see you're right open. You got to see them in action. They're, yeah. they're crazy. I, I, that's what I'm figuring is in action. I'm sure they're crazy. I mean, but it's I, not. Please kill Mr. Kinski isn't lauding his behavior. I don't know. I, I, I think it's, he looks pretty crazy in pictures. Yeah, so do I. Uh, I guess but, because I know. I, I mean, I'm familiar with him. That's why I think uh, that. It's probably just but because all white people look alike to me. Please uh, kill Mr. Kinski wow. isn't lauding his bad behavior. It's while they were trying to shoot this fucking movie. Uh, this the, is what they had to deal with, and the, it was documented. Uh, no, Chris, the, the director is in but the way the way you me. guys talk about it and the way other people talk about him, I'm talking about it's not the way fan, I'm talking about I'm, it. I'm, in general, just people. It just it's it's not that particular doc, documentary. I'm talking about people's you know reactions to him and why it's not more bothersome that people aren't legitimately more bothered by his real life behavior and how much they excused yeah. how much they excused because of the fact of his quote-unquote talent that's where i just fundamentally disagree with it i didn't mean to but, hit you personally i'm sorry please kill no, mr didn't. kinski is where i'm gonna vote because I, I, yeah, I can hear michael saying it in my head and i, I like listening to <laughs> michael will kill you if you don't vote for it uh, maybe yeah, maybe, maybe we can get him to record something just for that uh next fight is you christy i think okay. yeah it's it? no it's no. mike okay it is mr ortiz See, that, this is where it gets weird for me. Mr. Ortiz, this one is yours. It is Klaus Kinski, Jesus Christ Savior, versus as much of an asshole in real life as he is portrayed in the film. Uh, this is tough because I do not know Klaus Kinski, Jesus Christ Savior. And I feel if I vote for as much of an asshole in real life as he is portrayed in film, I will uh, upset Mike D and he will uh, t- talk about how horrible... Uh, em- er, encouraging uh, bad behavior in our creatives can be. Uh, so I will vote for well, Jesus Christ Savior could probably be blasphemous, but I, I'm a little bit, I'm okay with some blasphemy. So uh, I will vote for Klaus Kinski, Jesus Christ Savior, especially if someone who knows what it is explains it. And then well, I could change my vote though, but Mike D. Okay, from my understanding of what it is, it was his. I don't know if it was a a stage perform. I think it was a stage performance, possibly, but it was yes. it it was basically his interpretation of the New Testament. Is is my understanding of what of what that was? Uh, I read up a little bit about it. In all honesty, I have I have I have not seen it. Um, I think it's pretty clear what my opinion of him being as much of an asshole in real life as it as he portrays in film. So I shan't bore you with with those details um 
I don't know if I'm, you know, as a Jew, I don't know if I'm allowed to vote for Jesus Christ as a savior, but since it's Kinsky's interpretation, um, you know, I'll actually, I actually, you know, uh, there was an interview I saw of him that he went off on this reporter who was interviewing him because he didn't like the questions he was asking. And although he was abusive and just berating her, he, he did kind of actually, you know, have a point. And he, he talked about how when he was a kid, the only time he remembers, you know, even though he has this tough German exterior, the only time he remembers getting positive praise was when he was in grade school and he remembered the New Testament because he could retain information very well. So he, he got he got praised for that. And so when he, you know, was was an adult and an actor, he, he wanted to uh, do an interpretation of of the New Testament. So I actually, even though I can't stand him in general, I, I actually have a lot of respect for, for that. So I'm going to vote for the Klaus Kinski Jesus Christ Savior Project. Uh, Greg? Um, yeah, I'm also not, you know, not any more familiar with the Klaus Kinski Jesus Christ Savior Project than what's been spoken here. Uh, but I can vote for as much an asshole in real life as he has portrayed on film. So I guess that's where I'll put my vote. Christy. All right. So Kinski would get on stages, dress as Jesus, and recite a 30-plus page monologue based on the life of Christ that he wrote himself. Um, and he would do this, you know, every now and then. Um, and one time a bunch of hecklers came and Kinski went insane and you have to watch it. <laughs> it is absolute insanity. It's insanity that he is Jesus. It is insanity that he is Kinski. It's all the insanity you would ever want to watch in like 84 minutes. Yep. Klaus Kinski, Jesus Christ, savior. The savior. <laughs> Moving on. We are on to our next fight. Uh, who started that one? That was... I don't know who started that. Was that me. Okay, then Mike D starts this one, uh, which is appropriate <laughs> because you're the one that put it on the list, and this is the one. Uh, yeah. It is Klaus Kinski's autobiogra- autobiography versus he was accused of raping his daughter Paula from the ages of 5 to 19, all the way, all the way until she was 19. Yeah, so, yeah, from, from, from what she accused and i believe her i think half sister uh natasha whatever she she corroborated that he would treat them in somewhat of a a sexual manner so it appears that that it's somewhat true that he i the the, i i I saw the term rape i don't know if you know uh molesting or, or sexually abusing is any is any better but um you know, apparently he he kind of took the approach that he took, like we talked about with Cobra Verde and a lot of other things that, you know, he saw it, he wants it, he takes it. And I just think in the case in general to do that to anybody is terrible to do that to your own daughters in particular. You know, I just it's just it's just reprehensible. And and it just, you know, whatever I just. Uh, yeah. Um, his autobiography, I don't, I don't know from some things I read, like a lot of that stuff or most of the stuff wasn't even true. And he, he wrote it probably just to get a rise out of people. And, and I don't like it when people try to 
to trick other people. Um, kind of like when I read the Princess Bride book and it was just a bunch of big tricks. I don't know. I didn't like that. So um, I'm voting for the, 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 the raping of his daughter, but only because that proves how much of an asshole he is. I'm not voting for the actual rape of his daughter. It's, it's actually uh, sexual abuse. He, I'm looking at it now. It, it doesn't seem yeah. to be rape, but sexual abuse is just as bad. So I guess I, I shouldn't have said just. Anyway, uh, Greg? Yeah, so this is allegedly versus allegedly in some ways. Um, I, I'm assuming we don't have a good solid court case like we do against you know uh, some of the other directors accused of sexual assault. But I would rather not trust Kinski's own account of anything versus the account of uh, more than one daughter. So I will vote for the sexual abuse. So awkward. Uh, Christy. Well, the way I'm thinking of it is that the autobiography isn't going to hurt anybody. And it's called something weird like Love Me. Which is sad and fucked up. Whereas raping or molesting or sexually assaulting a person is a well, that hurts the person, so I'm going to vote for the biography, autobiography. Good job. Good point. Uh, Mike? As a general rule of thumb uh, on geek fights, I prefer to avoid discussions uh, at the level of rape unless we have Josh or Alan on so they can make themselves look really horrible and not me. Um, so I'm not going to vote for it. Oh, it's all tied up, and guess what? I'm breaking the tie with the autobiography because I don't want to talk about that anymore either. Thank God. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Let it be said, Kinski is a horrible human being and for uh, many reasons. And more, there just, are just, some behaviors that yeah. I will not even joke about. <laughs> yeah. I think in legal terms, we just stipulated and moved on, didn't we? Yeah. Yes. Uh Next fight is who went Mike D. Uh, so that will be Greg. Greg, uh, this okay. one's yours. It is the Herzog Kinski box set from Anchor Bay uh, versus writer, director, star of his last film. Uh, I don't know how to say that name, which Herzog declined and was widely panned. Paganini. Oh, yes, you say it like it's easy. Yeah. I can't read. I'm a little. I'm going to vote for Paganini. I put this on the list. I think it's always interesting, even when it fails completely, that somebody tries the writer, director, editor, producer, you know, thing. In this case, writer, director, editor, actor. And uh, to me, the box set is well represented on the other side, and I feel confident that it will move through for a little further on the other side. So I'll vote for Paganini. Christy. Y'all muted, or you were just thinking? I was just thinking. Um, I want to hear what Mike has to say about the box set being on here twice. So right now, I will vote for Paganini, because I want to see that train wreck, um, but haven't. Um, but I'll wait. I'll kind of wait to see what Mike says. Speaking of the devil, Mr. Ortiz. Well, uh, as far as the reason why it's on twice, uh, Michael and I were actually just kind of joking, jokingly going to see if we could try to maneuver both of them into the final two, knowing that we couldn't, but that was going to be something <laughs> we, were, we were going to attempt. Um, I actually, he didn't put, put these on there. I put both of these on here and not for that original intention. That was not why I did it. Um, 
in one of the last verses that we did, I did that as well because I thought that was just kind of an interesting idea. These two people who ha- have a relation. It was two actors that were in one movie together. So I put the movie on both of theirs. And uh, just an interesting thing where you have these kind of an overlap. But one of the things that kind of we talked about when we were uh, having it being equally weighted to both of them is that is that's really kind of what what we thought made it unique is you know, you had mentioned that it's more of a director box set, but there is a complimentary Werner Herzog box set that is other films that he had done. Um, the thing about Herzog and Kinski and the reason why the box set was structured the way that it was, was it's really, and includes the documentary that's about them. So it is, it is the cinematic relationship plus a discussion of the cinematic relationship and it's all kind of wrapped up and it's really unique in that there are other actor director pairings that are that happen repeatedly um certainly like Tim Burton and uh Johnny Depp um i mean lots of, of directors will kind of work with the same actors together but in almost all of those cases the directors and actors really are have very do have very much active careers going on or in the case of maybe like you know John Wayne where it's they, they might kind of do the same sort of characters a lot over and over again. But these were five movies that were very unique, but people know Kinski most from his work with Herzog and Herzog most from his work with Kinski. It really is a unique relationship that the two of them together, like, you know, maybe it's a Lennon McCartney thing together, did things that apart they really couldn't. And I think that that was a really fascinating idea that this box set is about the fact that one of them needs the other at least in this particular thing. Herzog certainly has done much more because he's still alive, but uh, this portion of their careers where they intersect is really something unique in, uh, in film history. At least we thought so. Mike D. Uh, for a little change of pace, I'm going to start off with some positivity here. Um, the, the, this, this box set again, like I, 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 I have seen it. Um, I don't own it, but I have, I have seen it, and um, you know, I'm I I, I, lo- I do love the fact that that these two brought out the best in each other at the end of the day, creatively and artistically, despite their personalities, despite you know all that stuff. You know, I'm 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 a, like me personally, I work well with someone else, and and you know, I'm a big Aaron Sorkin fan, and that's a theme in all of his shows is people, you know, you know, having one other person really to you know, to, to, to work well with. Um, and I think he himself, you know, works that way too. So this box set dedicated, you know, to that, I think is a very cool thing. Also, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, seeing into the abyss, my first exposure to Werner Herzog was into the abyss and I really hated it. I was excited to go see the movie. I was fascinated by the subject matter and I just absolutely hated it. And when Felcher, you know, talked about it on that podcast it got me thinking and then chris lent me the the dvds and and you know and, and i watched them and instead of just you know an uneducated asshole with an opinion i became an educated asshole with an opinion and you know i i i i can can't help being an opinionated person but i do like to actually know about things so the fact that this box set helped me learn about something and not be ignorant about something that makes me happy. The fact that Kinski wrote, acted, directed his own thing and failed 
also makes me happy. You know, I, I was watching the movie Now You See Me recently, and one of the things they said was when it comes to magic, you know, you have to be the, the smartest man in the room. Well, Kinski certainly, from the interviews I've seen and, and what I've seen of him speaking of himself and, you know, even from his own mouth, he seemed to think that he was a, an extremely intelligent person, a very talented person, probably more so than many other people, if not everybody else. So the fact that he did his own thing and it was panned and he failed at it for some reason makes me happy. But I'm kind of digging the positivity thing. So I'm going to actually vote for the Herzog Kinski box set from Anchor Bay. Uh, you talk too much. And because it's a tie, for, it's tie and, I, and I get to break the tie, I'm going to vote for a panini. Or Pagnini, whatever it is. Panini. Uh, I, I think of Panini bread. I'm hungry. Whatever. Um, he talks David, so much. You say the wait till next time I talk about or the box set. Well, but the box set is still on the list. That's the other but reason. But I feel why. really bad that the other box set isn't on the list because that had my two favorite movies in it, and this does not. Well, it's Grr. But we are on. Yeah, but to be honest, that one was absolutely no artistic integrity. That was a money grab. <laughs> No lie, no lie. <laughs> That's cool. That was the other one made money. Let's make another one. Really? <laughs> so if Mike D went last, I have no idea who goes on this one. So uh, me. Oh, okay then, Greg. <laughs> this one is yours. Was apparently uh, was it Wojcik? Is that how you say that? And dropped yeah. out of Life Force. Uh, no Patrick Stewart. No naked Mathilda May. I don't know what that means. She's an actress. If you saw Life Force, you would. <laughs> oh, no, no. I was no. going to say, you obviously didn't see Life Force. I saw Life Force, but I don't understand why it says no Patrick Stewart, no naked Marcella May. Because Patrick Stewart was in it as well. Was yeah, and he, did, he didn't yeah. get to work with Patrick Stewart. Okay, thank yeah, you. And he, and he didn't get to work with the naked Matilda May, which might have been good for Matilda May. <laughs> well, he wasn't related to her, so maybe she wasn't his type. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just going to play the geek card here and vote for the Life Force film. And, and there's a little bit of Kinski in it. I think that the actor that they chose to play him instead, you can definitely see why Toby Hooper thought Kinski would be great in that role. And um, Kinski would have been great in that role. So the life force one. Christy. Um, Voicek is my favorite Kinski movie. Um, and that's why I put it on the list. And I feel like more of him comes out, more of his crazy, sad, sack of shit personality comes out in Voizek. Um, And I know what he did while he was on the set, would, he would do all the things that they made Voizek do. And uh, it kind of drove him crazy. Kind of like Voizek. Um, he kind of is Voizek. So, Voizek. Uh, vote for Voizek. Mike? Uh, I'm going to vote for uh, dropped out of life force um, because in the very next round we have uh, Max, his, 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 he matches Max Stress creepiness as Nosferatu versus turned down Raiders of the Lost Ark calling the script shitty. So that means in the next round we could have this battle of which was the worst decision. Uh, I don't know if dropping out of Life Force was a bad decision other than getting to watch her be naked the whole time because that movie is not good. Uh, Mike D? So? Oh, I'm allowed to talk now, Damon? It won't bother you? 
Oh, um, you, uh, you talking is fine. You just talk just a talk lot. too much. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got it. Okay. Um, again, the apparently, how do you pronounce it, Christy? Voisic. Voisic. Um, yeah, the fact that Phonetic. he's 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 comparable to that character again, as clearly documented through my comments previously. That 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 kind of kind of bothers me, and that to me just shows that he's really not necessarily maybe that great of an actor. He's just that crazy and. That craziness is what captivates people, so I, that doesn't show any necessarily uh, special skill. And I like what Mike said about setting up the next battle, so I'm gonna go with dropped out of life force. So no Patrick Stewart and no naked, but whoever she is, I don't Matilda know she knows May. It. Matilda May. I, no fact, na- it, it was yeah. just on. It was just on the last night. I was watching it. I was like, "Oh yeah, she's naked almost the whole time. That's awesome." And that's why, that's why it should. You must remember, Damon. This was in the time before the internet. Oh, I know, I know, because I, I remember watching it in the time before the internet. <laughs> Thank God for the pause button. We are on to our next. There was no pause button. On to our next fight, uh, Christy. This one is yours. Is matches Mike Shrek's creepiness and Nosfer- as Nosferatu versus turn down Raiders of the Lost Ark, calling the script shitty. Well, I agree that the script is shitty. So that's cool. It just happened to be popular. Um, I mean, he needed very little makeup and prosthesis to really look like Nosferatu. Ugh, when I think of vampires, when I think of Nosferatu, of course, I, I think of Kinski. And, ugh, it's just so good. Well, I'm going to vote for that. Oh, uh, Mike. Um, this, uh, you know, th- this is actually kind of tough because I put the matches Max Shrek creepiness as Nosferatu on here. But like I said, I want to see the battle in the next round. And, and to be absolutely honest, when I, when I actually did write that down as the first time and, and did say, uh, you know, he, I, cause he, he was a great Nosferatu, a little voice in my head said, there's no way he matches Max Shrek. Like, get real. Max Shrek was still much worse. Did you see that picture of him? When he's just sitting there and he doesn't realize there's a camera on him and he looks like he's really counter lock. He's actually much creepier. So Raiders. <laughs> um, Mike D. Um, Nosferatu, he was creepy, a creepy, pale, believable vampire. But in all honesty, that that movie pretty much bored me to tears. Um, and you know, turning down Raiders of the Lost Ark because he felt the script was shitty again. I think that's just that's just his ego and his superiority complex. And okay, so maybe the script was shitty, but you know, you make movies to entertain people. And Raiders of the Lost Ark, last time I checked, entertain at least a person or two, if not millions. So you know, his creepiness is great, but him turning down that role for pompous asshole reasons just proves what it whatever he was. So I'm voting for Turn Down Raiders. Can I just say, just because you don't want to do a film doesn't make you a pompous asshole. No, being Kinski makes you a pompous asshole. Okay, okay. Greg? Um, yeah, lots of people turned out movies. Well, first of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fulfill the promise of voting for Raiders to send it through and create this next round. Um, just, And I think really the issue is you can... You can read, you can turn down the script, you can turn any movie you want to, but to be publicly, you know, 
calling out the the script is shitty or you're not liking the movie that's kind of where you'd cross the line a little bit because there are so many actors and i've i've been on record at least two previous geek fights as a, as a critic of steven spielberg but there are so many actors who would you know cut off a right arm to work with him even one time and here kinski is well he's you know a little bit too high and mighty for that it's okay to to think you're better than spielberg and not want to work with him but to say it yeah that that crosses a line Raiders. And the Raiders thing is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Mike, Mr. Ortiz, this one is yours. Tried to get released from a German POW camp by standing outside all night naked, drinking his own urine and eating cigarettes. Or was it just urine? Uh, either way. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, Versus. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, natives were so horrified by Kinski, they offered to kill him. Uh, yes, and another instance where uh, this was on this was shooting uh, uh, Aguirre, I believe, where uh, yeah. where yeah, the natives repeatedly offered to kill Kinski because he was such a terror to work with. Um, although the other one is really that's that's I mean, but is that fucked up or is that just brilliant and committed? I mean, I don't know that I would be committed enough. It's to do those things it's all that it's complex um because and actually yeah i'm going to vote for that because i could conceivably be enough of a dick and a prima donna to make uh large numbers of indigenous people want to kill me i don't think i could uh eat cigarettes and drink urine i'm kind of a pussy that way well i could eat cigarettes Really? Oh, dude, I th- that the drinking urine, I could probably pull that off if I, you know, a lot to drink, and you know, it's not gonna, it's gonna be a lot of water in there. I mean, maybe if I had to do it a couple of times, that'd be tough. But man, I can't. T- I, have you ever eaten a cigarette butt? Uh, yeah. Why not? Oh, tasty. I love tobacco. Um, that made me vomit. <laughs> Mike D. Um, yeah. So. uh Okay, the natives being so horrified by him that they offered to kill him. Again, the offering to kill him part makes me happy. The fact that it was because they were so horrified by him, that that makes me unhappy. Um, the fact that he tried to get released from the POW camp by, you know, doing all those, you know, crazy things. I mean, that's, on one hand, it's kind of funny and it's kind of interesting, but I think that really kind of qualifies as mentally ill, like for real, like in a clinical diagnosable, uh, sense, um, you know, but since he did that to himself and inflicted that on himself, or, I mean, I guess we could blame his parents, but we don't have enough time for that. So, um, since I don't like the fact that he scared the natives so much, I'm going to vote for eating, drinking his own urine and eating butts. <laughs> so it's cigarette butts. <laughs> Greg. <laughs> You know, I actually, as a kid, you know, ended up swallowing some pipe tobacco and, uh, drinking your own urine sounds like the worst of those two, but no doubt in my mind, you know, eating tobacco that's meant to be smoked is, is pretty hideous. I, I threw up quite a long time. I think that's crazier. So I'll, I'll vote for the POW piece of it. Um, because I think, you know, Mike D's right. It's that sad and sort of the uh, Nanook of the North sort of a way that when you get past the story, you go into a month later, two months later, two years later, 
you basically have this indigenous people being terrorized by somebody who probably shouldn't have been introduced to them in the first place. That's that's not something I want to vote for. Christy. Now, I'm going to say um, I had said that the whole POW camp thing was so lame and so cowardly and so prima donna-y. I'm surprised that people are voting for it. Um, but the natives being so horrified isn't the main part of this thing. It's that they offer to kill him because they don't know why this person should be living. Uh, that's what I think is funny. <laughs> They're like, uh, excuse me, Herzog, uh, Mr. Herzog, this guy, this Kinski guy, uh, what you want us to kill him maybe for you? Yes? I think that's... It, it just, just... That people who don't know what's going on um agreeing to help you make this film think that 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 this not all of these people not all these western people but just this one person is so not a person that should be living on this earth that they were like hey you want us to come it's no big deal i think that should move on if you put this story together with jared's unknown pick you basically have the natives just weren't smart enough to kill Herzog because here's a Herzog by gunpoint forcing Kinski to stay, driving the natives, making them so un- uneasy that they want him dead. Really, the natives' issue all the, all the time was with Herzog. They just didn't know it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got this for this bracket was from Fitzcarraldo, not Aguirre. So this is like a separate... Oh, he's done. Oh, so this okay, a different, different set. Yeah, a different set. Okay, it makes it even better. Oh, a different set. <laughs> happened people. multiple times. A oh decade later, actually, then I'll change my vote. <laughs> really, Mike? How many people are going to piss off two completely different sets of natives? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> I'd even have trouble with that. The first one would have killed me. Uh, see now, now you've left me in a bind. It's now tied up. <laughs> You asshole. Well, then you could just pick what I voted for and get it right back to that. Okay. There we go. (laughs) Last fight of the, this first round, uh, Mike D it's the other unknown. It's the second half to the Jared puzzle. Uh, let's see. Ooh, I have to find it. Don't I? Oops. (laughs) I know it in my head, but I want to say it word for word. It is the way he eats a sandwich and creature versus the second half of the Aguirre puzzle. It said while watching Wrath of God. I don't know if he meant watching. I, I think he might have, But it, anyway, Kinski looks right at the camera multiple times, trying to make each part of the movie unusable. Uh, so he, he basically the claim is that he keeps looking at the camera to make it unusable so he can get out of being on Aguirre, which was the set that he was held at gunpoint. So. Uh, Mike D, that's yours. Okay, can I just ask a quick point of clarification on which one moved on from the POW versus P-O-W. the natives? POW. Okay, thank you. Okay, so um, okay, so basically the way he eats a sandwich versus trying to intentionally stop the film by staring at the camera. Right. Um, so that both makes me laugh and makes me cringe because, again, it shows what a toddler he is. Um, it, the way he eats a sandwich in creature i I honestly had not seen creature and i tried to youtube it. i tried to find clips of it and and i could streaming is that oh i don't have netflix well now you gotta get it 
and now I got to. But when I but when I tried to find it, I found a bunch of interesting things. And one of the videos is a very uh, I don't I don't want to say gay picture, but gay picture of Wesley Crusher. And the caption is Picard eating sandwich seductively. And that just really made me giggle. So as much as I actually think that, that Jared's unknown is, is quite fascinating and under any other circumstances, I would probably vote for that. But just Picard eating sandwich seductively with this really gay picture of Wesley Crutcher, you know, for the visual, I, I got to vote for that. So the way he eats a sandwich and creature, despite the fact that I never actually saw it. Um, uh, Greg. Yeah, I haven't seen Creature either, and I, I'm almost intrigued by the 3.9 vote it gets on IMDb. And you get you get a movie that low in a score, and I think suddenly that that's well worth watching. But if I were to put on a movie right now, I'd probably put on Aguirre and watch for exactly what uh, what the unknown pick is talking about. It's been too long since I've seen it, and any excuse to watch it, I'll take. I can be swayed, of course, but I've got a feeling that the uh, the sandwiching creature has more votes in its future. Uh, Christy. Yeah, him um, trying to sabotage the filming of Aguirre um, versus the way he eats the sandwiching creature. So him trying to sabotage something versus him acting in such a way that he's eating the sandwich hilariously. Well, not even it's not even like hilariously, it's just stupid in creature in the shitty shitty movie. I mean, there's some cool models and shit, but it's mostly just stolen. And it's pretty much aliens, but also I think when someone becomes infected, they become like a vampire almost or a zombie. It's it's kind of like Life Force. But he eats a sandwich in it, yes. Um, I think I'm going to vote... Mm. Oh, I feel bad if I don't vote for the... Shitting all over Aguirre. But I think that Aguirre in... Um, in Herzog fandom gets too much love. So I'll vote for the way Kinski eats a sandwich and creature. Mr. Ortiz. Uh, which answer ties it up and sends it to you? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, the vote for Aguirre ties it up. Aguirre would tie it up. Okay, I'll vote for Aguirre. There so. we go. Geek fights at the heart of it. <laughs> so you, you just spite me? Or do you not care about this one, Mike? Uh, both? Well, one, not really care and two i just want to hear what you think what i think about something i've never seen versus something i've never seen <laughs> really is that we're in well, i haven't seen world? creature and i've seen nagiri but uh you know i don't, don't know you if want to see him eat a sandwich i don't I know because i mean this is this, i think michael put it on there and i think he really likes the way he eats the sandwich so it comes <laughs> it down to, to do i trust good. michael here um and I kind of do because you know I, I think if I think Michael would would know an interesting way that someone eats a sandwich, hey, and I, we've already kind of gone through you know him being a dick on a Gary an awful lot. I said um, I can be swayed, so I'll change my vote <laughs> okay. to the way he eats the sandwich in Creature because if I'm going to vote for Life Force, 
uh, it just seems wrong not to vote for creature. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there we go. But and it I, is thanks. It is no it's noteworthy here though that if this guy was such a pain in the ass for Herzog in the very first movie they did together in the very early 1970s, again, you almost have to look at Herzog and say, all the rest of this dis- dysfunctionality that happened for four other films, that's on you. It's not uh, like you I didn't guess. know what you're getting. He, but he's so amazing. He <laughs> brings it. What a crazy fucker. Kiski brings it. Uh, sandwich. Herzog knows it. Sandwich eating yep. is moving on, and uh, it's our our break time. And Mike is maybe going to throw something in the middle of this, or maybe the whole thing plays. But it is break time. I'll probably uh, put a break in. Oh, okay, it's break time. One, two, three, four. I am Klaus Kinski. This is my song You've heard so much about me And all of it is wrong I am not a maniac, I am not a maniac I am not a maniac, I am not a maniac I am not a maniac, I am not a maniac I am not a maniac, I am not a maniac I am not a maniac, I am not a maniac That's what Herzog told you What a sad and deluded boy He loved nothing better than to control you No! That is not how it goes! But I would never be his little toy I am just an artist. I am just an artist. No, I am not. Just an artist I am a monument I am a monument I am Klaus Kinski And this is my song Do kids live in your house? Are you responsible for entertaining them once in a while? 
Or would you just like some peace and quiet for 90 minutes while sharing your love of good film? Childhood is too short to watch crappy movies, so tune into the Horror Palace's Parental Advisory. This bi-weekly podcast reviews movies with horror and mystical themes that were made for kids or are grown-up movies that kids would like. We even review movies that adults might think are for kids, but no, not so much. From the mandatory shot to the breakaway song, your hosts Igor and Frankie's Bride offer their reviews and parental expertise to both classic and contemporary films. So check out the Horror Palace's Parental Advisory. You can find our podcast at www.horrorpalace.com. Click on Audio Podcasts and then Parental Advisory. You know your kids. We know movies. Hey, this is Kivy from Kittenhead. You can find out more about us at www.kittenheadla.com or at Facebook backslash Kittenhead. And you are listening to Geek Fights. Have fun. And we're back doing what we do every week, except for the first like 20 episodes, maybe 15 episodes. Uh, coming at you with Jared Formby, trademark geek cred. Uh, Christy Woke, what is your geek cred? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, okay, well, fine. I know Greg Blanchard has a lot of cred and geek cred. Greg, what is your geek cred? Yeah, on the geek side, during that break, I went out and I put the movie Creature on my uh, on my Netflix instant because I, I love both the good and the bad and almost equal measures. The stuff in between, I have a hard time tolerating. Um, I host a podcast called Inappropriate Conversations. can be found at inappropriateconversations.org. And it uh, discusses issues related to politics, sex, religion, popular culture, and how we're not talking openly and honestly about these things. And we need to break a few rules and break down a few walls and, uh, and have real discussions for the first time in this country, probably in 30 years. Uh, I wish, but the internet has broken us. Yeah, it's broken us completely. Ah, uh, and Mr. Mike D should have never had you on. Uh, your wow. absolute final episode. You're never coming back. Wow. Well, uh, there's only I five thought, episodes left. Well, still though, it just the way you went out of your way. It just it, <laughs> to point it out several it, times. It, it, it wait, hurts. Wait, but wait, wait, wait. Are you a fan of Babylon Five? I have actually never seen Babylon Five. Oh well, then. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is your last tip here. But with all these things you're making me feel, you're keeping my therapist employed, so I know he thanks you. Um, the only, uh, my, I guess my main geek cred is I have finally started a blog that I just kind of talk about movies and uh, TV shows and things of that nature, and I call it Keeping It Real, R-E-E-L, and the address is therealmikeD at blogspot.com, R-E-E-L-M-I-K-E-D blogspot.com so uh check it out rock uh let's jump back into the fights and i you know in that whole break guess what damon did not do he did not fix the brackets the way he should have but uh mike d went last so greg this one is yours it is heart of glass we're back to herzog versus Fitzcarraldo. uh so do i go with the one that i've seen and don't think is his best work or the one that I haven't seen and the people I respect think is his best work. We're going to have to put the vote for Heart of Glass as something I need to see. Christy. 
I'm also voting for Heart of Glass. Um, the movie Fitzcarraldo is certainly heralding in that harrowing, rather, in, in that so much needed to be done to get it done the way he wanted. Um, but Heart of Glass, I think, is more um, a movie out of Herzog's own dreams. Like, it's very ethereal and strange and the whole point of it, it's not just for the the heart of glass, it's that um, he had his cast hypnotized to get a certain mood, to, to get that certain performance from them. And um, it was it was well done. It was beautiful. Um, and then the yes, he's crazy is or crazier than Fitzcarraldo is in the movie isn't really a thing to me. So hard of glass. Artisanal. Hmm, this is this is interesting um, because I I love Burden of Dreams. Um. And, you know, and it's an instance like Heart of Darkness in many ways. I, I actually like the documentary about the movie that in many ways parallels the movie more than the movie itself. Uh, and I love Apocalypse Now. Um, because, it you know, maybe it's a more fascinating story because it's true. But the thing is, I don't really think that he is as crazy as Fitzcarraldo. I mean, yeah, they, they both are accomplishing or attempting to accomplish this uh insane act and they're both literally dragging uh this this boat uh across the jungle and 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 whatever um and one could argue that in both cases they really shouldn't have or didn't need to do that but i don't i mean Fitzcarraldo, the character is much more kind of raving and crazy and things like that and and i think this is just an example of kind of a commitment to a certain level of authenticity and a dedication to getting his fucking movie done. Uh, yeah, he could have done it better, but you know what? Throw yourself in the middle of the, of the jungle trying to make a movie with a goddamn crazy man. And, uh, when things start to go wrong, you just have to grasp for whatever and just swing for the fences and do it. Um, that's an accomplishment. Uh, so I don't think it's crazy. So heart of glass. Uh, vote for heart of glass and Mike D. I, I don't think it's as much of an accomplishment since they put themselves in that situation to begin with. So the fact that they came out on top, so to speak, they're the ones who dug themselves the hole in the first place. So I, I don't think it's 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 as impressive, I think, as, as Mike did. There um, is a but, great value in doing hard things. Yeah, but again, overcoming craziness in these strange locations when, you know, they, again, they did that to themselves. So that it doesn't work as much for me. Um, Heart of Glass, you know, again, for me, it just, you know, we talked about during the break positivity and bringing more positivity to the geek culture, not tearing things down. So I have not seen Heart of Glass, but again, it does remind you of Blondie's Heart of Glass, and that is considered one of the first rap songs. And I am a fan of rap music. And Fitzcarraldo, honestly, I know that Christy's probably going to hate this, but I think that's just about the same character that he plays in most of the movies I've seen outside of Nosferatu. So I really don't see anything that's that unique about that character or Herzog. the way he plays it. Herzog. So I'm going to go with Heart of Glass. 
We're on the Herzog side. Uh, That's fine. I'm still going with Heart of Glass. Heart of Glass uh, is moving on. First rap song. I had to punch you for that. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk over. I said it's considered one of the first rap songs. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna walk the mile and a half away that you are and punch you in your goddamn face. That is not a rap song. We are on to our next fight. Uh, Song to contain rap. I said considered. I didn't say it was a rap song. I said it is considered. No. 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 And you probably hit like a girl, Damon. I'm not scared of you. Okay. 250-pound man. Bring it. Uh, How much do you think I weigh? I don't care. I don't care. I'm a black guy. I'm strong. Uh, Christy, this one is yours. It is. Uh, he stole a camera to make movies versus uh, making Little Dieter and then making a remake as Rescue Dawn. All right. So lots of my favorite filmmakers have made a movie um, young in their career and then have remade it. Um, like Hanaki, I don't know how to say his name, made... Um, Oh, what is it? Funny Games. Funny Games, thank you. And then remade it, and I absolutely don't know the remake name. I think you're just, it's just the U.S. version of Funny Games. Oh, it's called Funny Games. Uh, well, that's I know a lot of people who have... Re- and, and both are amazing. Both are amazing. Um, the, the first time I watched Funny Games, I, I had to turn it off. Um, it was so disturbing. But anyway, it's it's not a new thing to make something and then come back later and do it better when you have more resources. And yes, I do realize that Little Dito Needs to Fly is a quote-unquote documentary, uh, as any documentary is, um, and that uh, Rescue Dawn is fiction, um, a fictional account, but... The camera theft is what got it all started. It's that Jared Formby corollary. Um, And what's more is when he goes to colleges, and I think this is lame, but when he goes to colleges and people ask him how he started, he always says the how he stole a camera, and that's how he started. So what you need to do is just steal a camera. Um, Which you would would think it would be really easy to get into film these days, but it's not... Um, because now everybody wants you to be associated with production companies, even it doesn't matter how small they are. Um, guess you can make something by yourself with your friends on a fairly cheap um, digital camera these days, but you're still not going to get it picked up anywhere. You're still not going to have the funds to get it through the, um, uh, the circuits like Sundance and Toronto. Um, it's hard. So steal a camera. It's a little out of date these days. And I'm kind of mad that that's what he says when, you know, filmmakers here, young filmmakers are really asking him, what should I do? Like, how can I get into this business? I think it's kind of lame that that is his answer. So, um, and always their answer because he doesn't actually want to answer it. Um, so I'm going to vote for little Dieter and, uh, Rescued on. Uh, vote for Little Dieter and Rescued on, Mike. <laughs> uh, yeah, I will vote for, for Little Dieter as well. Um, and it, primarily because, uh, you know, while other directors may have done that, I mean, this is 
such a, a wildly different kind of approach. And again, because it's two different styles of filmmaking that he kind of excels in, uh, I think there's something unique there in, tra- in doing a documentary uh, on one hand and doing a kind of fairly traditional Hollywood type uh, dramatic narrative film on the other hand um, and doing them both very well. So because that is kind of a, a unique thing, I, I, I will definitely go for that. And, and I will, I will bet you cash money. He's not the only director that stole a fucking camera. Um, but I do think in terms of, of that advice though, uh, he's not addressing the issue of getting into the business. He's saying the issue of, if you want to make movies, pretty much what you need is a camera. Um, the question of how do you get into the business that, you know, if anybody had an answer to that, basically, if you're asking that question, uh, you you probably, uh, are not going about it right. Yes. As, as, uh, comedians say all the time when people ask them, how do you get into comedy? They say do comedy. I think that's the same sentiment of well, steal a camera. And I'm like, Mark Wade always says in terms of like, how do you break into comics? He's like breaking into comics is like breaking out of prison. Every any time finds any time somebody finds one way to do it, no one can ever do it that way again. So it's kind of no one can answer the question for you other than how they did it, which won't work anymore. Mike D. Okay, just just to clarify, since I'm the one who actually submitted that one, the intention of that suggestion was the justification of the stealing of the camera, not the stealing of the camera itself the fact that it's oh don't give me a speeding ticket don't you know who i am that he justified doing it because of his you know perceived you know destiny for greatness um that was that was the intention it has morphed into the fact that he stole the camera and that's the advice but i think mike you said something uh, interesting or what i heard you say was his advice to people you know how do i you know become a filmmaker and his answer is basically make a film you know, steal a camera, make a film, you know, that, and, you know, I've heard that advice from, from different people. So if we're going with what this has turned into, then that I think is what I would be voting for or against. Um, the Dieter Dawn, uh, option, um, you know, Christy, I don't think it's, 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 I don't think it's that easy to tinker with your own work and make it successful. And I just look at George Lucas for that and, you know, he made people who loved him hate him because of the fact that he kept tinkering and and he got it wrong. Um, you Bravo know, for so, getting a George Lucas shot on a well, thank, you. Kids thank, you bracket. thank you. Thank this you. This isn't thank- the same thing either. This is a completely different movie. It's not. I'm going to re-release this original, but we made some tweaks. No, but he. I'm. But he. Re, he remade it and he turned it into to something. Yeah, something you know beautiful. different. So no, didn't the but, one that you're talking of never existed. But I don't think that that's <laughs> something <laughs> that's easy to do. <laughs> so I think the fact that he did that successfully to me, I don't think that's as common. So the fact that he did that, I think that is is praiseworthy. So that's I'm going to continue. What I I, oh, well, then I'm agreeing with Christy, yes. and I'm continuing my my path towards positivity that was that was inspired yes. by Mike Ortiz, and I am voting for the Dieter <laughs> Dawn Improvement Project. <laughs> I was just saying, I'm another favorite director of mine who has done this as well. I love it when they when directors feel confident enough that they can go back and redo something that they have done. Sure. I love that. 
Greg. Clean sweep, and I'll hang on to the comments for the next round. Uh, Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Next fight is yours, Mike. Terminator, Terminator 2. Oh, hey, look at that. Uh, (laughs) This one is yours, Mike. It is Eat His Own Shoe versus the the box set again. (laughs) Uh, Wait, wait, you did not say what Michael did on the box set, by the way. Uh, Specifically? What was his involvement? Because I know what you did. You did the art. Well, That's easy. I mean, but to actually, you know, I, okay, I, I will get, try and give you the, the quick story. Uh, basically, this this just came about because uh, we Anchor Bay had put out all of these movies individually, and there was some tentative plan to eventually do a box set, but nothing that was actually real. And Michael uh, had come across these, you know, the, they're, they're common now, the thin packs that, that hold DVDs together. Yeah, the the, the thin pla- the thin plastic ones they can hold like two DVDs. Some hold one DVD. Um, no one had actually released anything like this, or at least maybe very very few. And Michael had gotten this this box of samples, and he was like, well, "These are pretty cool. We could do a box that would have a very small footprint, um, and it might look kind of cool." And it's printing on both sides. And uh, he sat down with me, and he's like, "What should we do?" And I'm sure he was the one that threw out that, you know, we've got the Herzog films. We're eventually going to do a box set. Why don't we do that? Now, keep in mind, at this point, neither Michael or I have any authority to do any of this. This was just, hey, here's an idea. So we talked about it. Then he was like, you know, fuck it. If you could just do whatever you wanted, uh, just how, how would you design it? Uh, there's no there's no marketing people. This This project does not exist. So I have to work on it and design this like in between real projects. And there was actually someone who would have been in charge of the box that we had to hide that we were working on from this person. Cause if she found out, she would be, Oh, okay. If we're, you know, we're going to do this and she would take control of the project. So we basically did the whole fucking thing, designed it, planned it out, figured out the whole color scheme thing. Um, got the liner notes together and then pitched it directly to like the VP of acquisitions with a big pitch as to how we, you know, why we should do this. And we figured, I think they were estimating that it would, you know, they needed to sell like 5,000 copies. And this would have been kind of an expensive box set. Michael came up with the idea of making it a box within a box, which was something kind of unique. And we go to this guy and Jay Douglas, who, uh, who was kind of like one of the big wigs in Anchor Bay at that time. And this is back when Anchor Bay really was a kick-ass company. Uh, he just looked at it and went, sure, do it. And we didn't even have to give the pitch. You know, he was just like, this looks cool, do it. And the, one of the brand managers there was like, all right, let's do it. And I mean, seriously, there was like no opposition to it. And it would, you know, cause everything was done. And then they, they put it out there and the thing fucking sold like crazy. So it really was kind of a, a really unique t- type of experience. So Michael, I designed it, but Michael was every bit as responsible for it. And it's beautiful. And it was the only time in either of our careers that we got to do that. So that's why I'm voting for it. <laughs> Uh, I'll vote for the box set. Uh, Mike D. Well, I don't think there's really an option here because after that beautiful soliloquy, if I vote against that, then I'm just, I, I've got to vote for the box set. I can't. How could I not? I mean, because voting Seriously, against we were going to each is, like trade off parts of the stories. We, we had a plan. <laughs> no, what I'm saying, no, because like, I, I mean, I, I, it feels like I'm voting against you and voting against Michael. I mean, the, the, the eating his own shoe again, I really, you know, for I think that one, you know, I, I mean, to me, you know, with all my faults, I 
like to consider myself a man of my word. And the fact that he followed through on something that could probably loosely be considered a joke says a lot. And I think the fact that he did it to encourage people to follow their passions and follow through and, you know, so to steal their cameras, so to speak, you know, to really, you know, it's one thing to, to, to say things to inspire people or to hope to inspire people. But I think that, that doing this and making such a flamboyant show out of it, that that's a very impressive thing. And, and, you know, for me to praise Herzog like this is a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a monumental occasion. I think it's a very significant thing and I really kind of want to vote for that, but I don't want to, I don't want to vote against what you just said. So, I mean, I can, can I abstain? Sure. Why not? <laughs> I, I'm going to abstain unless my votes needed and then I'll vote, but I would it, like to abstain. Your, your vote is never not needed. If you abstain, uh, <laughs> Greg, uh, the yeah, the other thing I did during the during the break between rounds, in addition to throwing creature on my Netflix instant, was to put this particular box set on my wish list, because I got to thinking about it, and I have two movies that are included in that box set today: one on VHS, one on laser disc. It's wow. about time I made the upgrade. So <laughs> I can probably send the box you set. And he's got the soundtracks on 8-track. <laughs> and I've got the, the soundtrack to the third one on 8-track. Yeah, just about. <laughs> yeah, that's a vote for the box set. Christy? Not only that, but at Barnes & Noble, a lot of the time, those Anchor Bay, Herzog, and Herzog Kinski box sets are 50% off. So anyone can just go into a Barnes & Noble if you just happen to be passing one and look. And you'll see it there, and it'll be half off. And you should buy it. I'm sorry, um, did you say half off 50%? Damon, I'm changing my vote. I'm voting for the box set. Half off? <laughs> I'm in. Box set. It's so, it's Dude, like, that can hook you so, up. I got a couple copies here. It's, it's, it's just <laughs> wait, wait. We went from 50% to free? Box set okay, for sure. Game here's over. Thing. <laughs> it's really hard to get really amazing film not put out by Criterion. It's really hard. There are a couple companies who do that. Not many. Um, and Anchor Bay, I own a lot of Anchor Bay stuff because they are one of the few people who actually put out great film. And you know, or- Kino, Kino puts out stuff, but they want to charge you like $40 for everything. They want to charge you $40 for the short that didn't get remastered it looks like shit i don't know it kind of pisses me off but um since everyone else is voting for the box set i'll vote for the Werner herzog eats his shoe if if it was for anybody else i wouldn't think it was funny i would think it was lame but because it's for errol morris i think it's fucking badass so i'm voting for Werner herzog eats his shoe box set moving on on to our next fight. Uh, who, uh, Mike D, this one is yours. It is the 3D documentary Cave of Forgotten Dreams versus filming on seven continents. With the a fact that, well, a feat, sorry, that no one has ever done. I mean, I, I just, yeah, just the magnitude of it just blows me away. I'm, I'm almost speechless, um, but I'm not quite speechless. Um, the thing is, you know, like I said, I haven't seen the documentary of the Cave of the cave of forgotten dreams the game and, of thrones documentary right no i've definitely <laughs> seen the you know uh 
No, I, you know, the, and it's funny because the, the, the thing that pissed me off that he said about the, the, he said that he was talking to Colbert and he said that, uh, you know, that the, these paintings were 35,000 years old and Colbert made a joke that, you know, the world's only 6,000 years old and Herzog said something like, no, it's uh, people are older, but just had to wait for God to grow up to create something. And I don't know, it just kind of proved what a pompous ass he was. But the fact of this, the documentary itself, I find fascinating. And I think these caves are fascinating. And the fact that they have this advanced art from so long ago is fascinating. And simply because it's Herzog, it kind of makes me want to steer away from it. But if I can take him out of the equation a bit, I think that that the documentary itself I find much more fascinating than this this fact that he shot on on every continent. So um, I'm going to vote for the the cave of the forgotten dreams. Greg, uh, I'm going to vote for every continent because every continent represents lots of films, not just one. And although this appears to be an excellent use of 3D, maybe one of a handful of times that statement can be made. Uh, I'm still not a fan of 3D, so I'm going to go with every continent. Christy. I am also going to go with every continent because one of my favorite laughable documentaries um, is At the Edge of the World. Is that what it is? Uh, Encounters at the End of the World. Encounters at the End of the World. In particularly, (laughs) the scene... Where he gets these people to get down on their knees and put their ears to the ice and ask them if they can hear the ice talking to them. And all of them are doing it, of course. And, oh my god, I know! I know it's a joke. They don't know it's a joke. It's so funny. I feel bad laughing at it, but it's the age. It's it's our generation. <laughs> we laugh at people. Um... So I'll vote for that was a continent vote since we hadn't talked about Antarctica. Vote for the continent, uh, Mr. Ortiz. Uh, I, I will vote for Cave of Forgotten Dreams and 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 very explicitly for the 3D. I do like 3D uh, quite a bit, and uh, I I think this is one of the best uses of it, uh, not just in a visual sense. And and I've seen the movie in 2D when I saw it for the first time. I saw it in a the theater in 2D. Uh, and I was pissed because I thought it was in 3D. And they, we we bought the tickets at a kiosk, so I didn't go up to the cashier. So we just like walked up to someone at the concession, and, and it was like, how can we get the 3D glasses? And there were 3D movies playing there, so they gave it to us. So I'm sitting in the fucking theater wearing 3D glasses until I notice, <laughs> and I'm not the only one. Half the theater is wearing 3D glasses. And then as the movie's going on, slowly a few people start to like pull the glasses down and go, this isn't in 3D. This isn't in 3D. And, uh, and then I actually went out into the lobby to kind of see if there was a manager or something. And, I, and then like on a lark, I just called the, the answering machine. And like it, it, like it doesn't say 3D anywhere. It was just an assumption because it's playing in 3D everywhere else. Uh, so I was pissed, but when I finally got to see it in 3D, it actually made me more angry because I would have loved to have seen that on a huge screen because it really does create this beautiful sense of of the space that you're in. 
Uh, if you had taken out all the documentary part of it, you'd taken out the focusing on other people or the Herzog or any of that, and just gave me like an hour of being in these, these amazing caves, these amazing documents of an ancient part of, of human history, it's just mesmerizing and spellbinding, no matter who filmed it. But Herzog doing it made it even better for me. But fuck, it could have been anybody with a killer 3D camera. And they actually do move it around. Like you can't get off the, um, the, the, Rails. the rail, the small areas of camp, but you can get the camera out. Uh, a little bit more and get, get some, some good shots of things. And you know, the dust that hangs in the air, it's, it's just spectacular. And unfortunately people will never be able to see it other than like this and other documents like this. And I think do, doing other documentaries, and I guess a lot of IMAX uh, documentaries are doing this now, which I think is fantastic. When you're really trying to give somebody a sense of an environment, it's a just spectacular way to do it. Yeah. I would just offer, it has to be seen in 3d. Um, uh, I had the, the best TV I've got the best, you know, Blu-ray copy. It just didn't translate. Yeah. The only place it came in Georgia was at our RD place in, um, well in Athens anyway. And it was definitely not in 3d. So it's all tied up and I'm at a, a crossroads, a dilemma here because, you know, I, I, I really, I, the, 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 the seven continent thing is, a feat, but I'm pretty sure almost everybody else has done six. Uh, and, but th- I think that's what makes seven so much better. Uh, you got, cause I'm sure Spielberg has done all uh, done six out of seven. I, I, he's got, he's had to have shot in Africa and Asia and South America and Europe. Well, I know he shot in Europe. So he shoot in I, Australia. Ooh, I don't know if he shot in Australia. You might be right. He may not have shot in Australia. So he might be on five. But it, it's still, it's one of those things where I know that there are other guys that have gotten five or six continents. It's that seventh one that makes it kind of hardcore. And I've not seen Cave of Forgotten Dreams. But it is, a, it is a, he is also the first one to film uh, on all seven continents. So, you know, there's always something like, what is it, Neil Armstrong? Which one was the first one? Yeah, Neil Armstrong was the first man on the moon. Uh, we know Buzz Aldrin. He was there. But Neil is the first guy. And Buzz Aldrin was also one of the other 17 people that walked on the moon or however many it is. But it's one of those things where being first is still being first and it's got to mean something. So uh, I'm going to go with the first guy to film on all seven continents. And that one is what's moving into the final four of the Herzog side. And we're moving back into Kinski. Uh, And we've got uh, Greg. This one is yours. It is Please Kill Mr. Kinski. Uh, which is a short film by the director, shot by the uh, director of Crawl Space versus Jesus Klaus. No, sorry, Klaus Kinski, Jesus Christ, <laughs> uh, Savior. You know, this one is, yeah, I'm just going to go with my gut. What does my heart tell me? Which one of these two projects do I feel more strongly about? And I think um, Please Kill Mr. Kinski just speaks to me more than his version of the New Testament would. Easy as that, Christy. Um, well, I will be voting for Klaus Kinski, Jesus Christ Savior, because it's not just his interpretation of the New Testament. <laughs> it's him monologuing about that as written by him. And then hecklers come in and then he's insane. So it's opposite of Jesus Christ. It's 
Klaus Kinski, Jesus Christ Savior. That was uh, the one. Mike? Uh, I will stick with um, the uh, the documentary. Um, and you know, again, if you, if, if you can find it, I don't remember where we saw it. It's on it's on one DVD somewhere, but I don't remember where exactly. Uh, and, and it mostly is just the director talking. And so it's really kind of a filmed monologue more than anything else. So it's not like done in, in a documentary style. He's actually talking to the camera and relaying this. Uh, and he does a, a great job. I mean, it's very deadpan and very, uh, you know, kind of consciously unprofessional speaker in its delivery. But the guy is a movie director and he's a storyteller and he understands uh, the funny parts and the dramatic parts and the interesting parts. And it really is a very uh, nice evocative monologue. Again, that's why I like, you know, I wish Michael was here because he can actually do uh, some of it a little bit, or not a little bit, but much, much better than I can. I can relay to you some of the facts that were relayed, but I can't do it uh, in the manner in which it was done. And and with a monologue, that's a big part of it. So because this actually was an all, I mean, I haven't seen the other one, but this was a very, a real and honest and earnest uh, performance by this director, but it was also uh, very, very well done and very, very funny and, and executed uh, in, in a very, uh, a very, you know, kind of entertaining manner. So uh, I haven't seen the Jesus Christ thing. And maybe if I did or knew more about it, I would vote for it. But uh, I was highly entertained by please, please kill Mr. Kinski. Cause that is apparently what they would say to him. <laughs> um, Mike D. Um, First of all, I think uh, Terra Nova was filmed in Australia, so if that counts for Spielberg, he did film in Australia. Um, Didn't you just produce that? I'm not quite sure. That's what I'm saying. I'm not sure if that fully counts, but I know he had involvement with it, and, and they shot there. So anyway, um, please kill Mr. Kinski or Kinski's the Savior, which is a, a beautiful pairing if you think about it. Um, you know, because if you kill him, maybe he'll he'll rise up again if he's truly the savior. So um, uh. it might it might be ineffective to kill him. <laughs> but uh, no, I think you know with the thing that I like about the the Jesus Christ Savior is that it's that was uh, I'm pretty sure his idea and his execution, and um, not just that. Um, you know, obviously it was his interpretation, but you know, like Christy pointed out a few times, you know, the fact that he was he was heckled and he rose above it. You know typical Kinski behavior would probably have been for him to stomp off stage and have some sort of fit or get into a fight with somebody or, you know, bitch and moan, complain about something, but he, he, he used it to enhance his creativity. So, um, I've accused him for being a toddler for a majority of this podcast and he handled this one, not only adequately, but very well. So I, I would like to reward that. And with my vote of, of Kinski, as uh, the savior. Oh, sorry. It's all tied up. And uh, I'm going to unreward you for not listening to what other people said. Uh, she, I, if I'm, I, I, I could be crazy. I do remember <laughs> you saying that he went crazy and yelled yes. at the hecklers, yes. which is the exact opposite of what you were just saying. So uh, because of that, I will be voting for please kill Mr. Kinski. And we're moving on to our next one. Christy, this one is yours. It is his autobiography. Versus Panini or whatever. Paganini. Paganini. Panini. No, I'm going to call it Panini. Panini. Jesus Christ. It's like a dog with a bone. Don't even bother, Christy. It's like a what? Damon's like a dog with a bone. It's Panini I thought you said something. 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said something inappropriate. Me? Um, yeah. I think I will go for... I, I would really like to vote for Paganini, but I haven't seen it. The autobiography I have read excerpts from, I don't actually own a copy of it, but it's very... He definitely wrote it, is all I can say. <laughs> um, and it's worth your time reading it. And it's seriously, it's called something like um, Love Me, or like something crazy like that. Like, very um, Mommy's Dearest... It's so weird. Um, I'm going to vote for the autobiography. Uncut. No, no, no. That's that's what it's called now. Oh, okay. It had a different name beforehand? Yes, it had two different names beforehand. Okay. Uh, a vote for the autobiography. Mike? Um, I am not familiar with either of these. Uh, so I'm going to vote for Paganini because uh, while it may be a terrible film, it is a it is a film, and that is what he is known most for, um, a film that he crafted entirely, just like, you know, the autobiography, both of them, who, who knows how, how real the, the autobiography is. Um, so, yeah, because, because one is a film, and, and I, I think of him primarily as, as an actor or someone involved in film and not necessarily an author, uh, I will vote for Paganini. Mike D. I did listen to what Christie said, and it did enhance his performance because he didn't stomp off. He still addressed it, so I did listen to what the lady said. Um, his autobiography, again, it seems like a lot of it probably wasn't true, so you know, uh, I'm not really into to, to trickery. At least he actually, you know, probably you know wrote actually you know directed the Paganini, um, you know, and. You know, I, I think the fact that Herzog didn't want to do it, he went to try to do it anyway. I'm a big fan of lesson teaching, and and hopefully that was a lesson to him. So in that twisted lack of logic, I'm going to go to Paganini. Greg. Calling your autobiography All I Need is Love is a cry for help, and making the movie Paganini was a cry for help. I'm going to reward the movie version because it connects these two, the two characters in our bracket together, Paganini. And thank you for not making me tie break again. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun. Don't get me wrong. Uh, next fight is yours, Mr. Ortiz. It is, uh, he dropped out of life force versus calling, uh, the Indiana Jones. I'm sorry. Raiders of lost Ark script, uh, shitty and not being in that movie. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, both are him pulling out of movies. Um, <laughs> one of them clearly a a better movie. Um, is it the greater loss? I don't know. I don't know what part he was supposed to play in Raiders. He was going to be one of the key German officers working with the archaeologist, with the French archaeologist. Really? Which would have put a much bigger stature, a, a bigger man in that role. Because I think the guy he was replacing was was uh, a relatively short and and thin fellow. But it would it wouldn't have been like Tot or Belloc or I mean it would have been one of the other German. Yeah, it would have been a relatively minor role. Okay. Hmm. This, this is kind of tough. Um, I I don't know that you would understand necessarily 
what you are getting out of Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, by reading the script. Um, it could easily, I think, come off as as being Treasure of the Four Crowns or Perils of Pauline or any of the other movies that uh, kind of followed its footsteps or, or emulated uh, films of the past, but but did them very unsuccessfully. I mean, the strength of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I know, I know, it was written by by Lawrence Kazan, who was a great writer, but uh, that movie fails absolutely with the wrong execution. So maybe reading the script uh, and thinking it was shitty is not necessarily that that you know out of the question. We hear that type of story a lot. So uh, maybe it wasn't crazy; it was just unfortunate. Um, but he did miss out on, on some prime nudity and Patrick Stewart. And I like prime nudity and Patrick Stewart. Although I do probably like Raiders of the Lost Ark more. I'm still voting for the life force one. Uh, Mike D. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that, that I think Greg mentioned this earlier that to, to publicly call it shitty and to, to, to kind of crap on it. So publicly like that was, was a little uncalled for and it, and it, you know, from from knowing Kinski so well as as I did, it, you know, we we talk about which role he would have had. So it could quite possibly be that um, the role just wasn't big enough, and you know, he just had a tantrum about it, so he just called it shitty because he just wasn't going to have a big enough role in it. Which, you know, again, seems to from from all reports of Kins, Kinski, kind of seems to encapsulate what he was all about. So um, I'm going to vote for that. A vote for the Raiders thing, Greg. You know, around the time that he was, he would have been uh, Raiders. So 1981. The other roles he would have been doing, this would have been more the Fitzcarraldo era. When he was too good for Life Force, the 85, 86 era, he was choosing Crawl Space instead. So I got to feel like making the decision to pass up life force, even though it's a much shittier movie and a much shittier screenplay than Raiders of the Lost Ark strikes me as a much bigger mistake. It was a, a bigger role, although still not the starring role. And, um, come on, dude, you made crawl space. So I'm going to vote for life force. Christy Raiders. You people suck. I'm, I'm down to breaking tiebreakers the whole time. Uh, unprofessional behavior or boobies. Uh, I'm going to go with boobies. unprofessional behavior. Uh, yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. Life Force boobs and him missing out on Life Force boobs and working with Patrick Stewart is okay. Patrick Stewart was nobody then, though. He was the guy that was uh, and also ran in Excalibur. Um, Raiders, he passed up a chance to work with Steven Spielberg, which some people want to, some people don't, but he went and talked about how shitty the movie was going to be. He's like, hey, this script is shitty, and and that's something people generally don't do. You just well, don't do that. We did that about Life Force, but most people went, yeah, you know, he's right. <laughs> You're right. It doesn't matter to me. I'm voting for Raiders. I'm moving boobies away. Away from me. Away, boobies! Away! <laughs> We are on to our next fight. Uh, Mike D, this one is yours. It's the POW camp story versus how he eats a sandwich in the creature. Or, sorry, in creature. Yeah, I again, I, I know this has very little to do with the actual 
uh, category, but the fact that the sandwich one led me to both Picard eating a sandwich seductively and a woman with no arms not only eating but cutting the sandwich with a knife and, and eating it with her feet is just fascinating and just makes me giddy. So I am voting for the way he ate a sandwich in Creature. Uh, vote for sandwich eating Greg. Yeah, do we know? Now, I'm, I'm going to go with the film. I'm going to stick with the film angle and go with Creature. Eating more sandwiches. Christy. Creature sandwich. Mr. Ortiz, are you the only one that's going to be drinking urine? Uh, no, I'm and actually... eating butts. I'm, uh, I, I, I can't find a video of it, but I found some photographs. Um... I can't quite tell what the sandwich is, um, but he's certainly eating it. So I'll go for it. <laughs> they don't really show what it is. <laughs> and the he way- just kind of eats it. <laughs> but the movie isn't, I mean, it's bad, but it's like the good kind of bad that uh, you do want to make sure you get that in your repertoire <laughs> to watch it at least one time. Have they ever done a Rift Tracks or Mystery Science Theater 3000? Probably not. They didn't do a mystery science on it. Really? They may have done a riff tracks on it. If not, maybe we should do a commentary. Oh my gosh, dudes! That's what you need to do next. All right, that's uh, that's after the the secret episode that uh, comes after the episode that ends the show. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh did I say there's a secret episode? Uh, anyway, uh, creature is moving on. Uh, Greg, this fight is yours. It is Heart of Glass versus Rescue Dawn. Back to Herzog. Herzog. Um. Wow, this is why well, this is tough for me. I was I'm prepared to vote for Heart of Glass, and I think I might still. The thing I was going to throw out there was that a lot of directors who have remade their own work, in my opinion, have not done so with a, a spectacular level of improvement. I don't know very many people who would say that the new Funny Games is better than the original. Um, neither is welcome in my home, but you know that's just because of the power of the original. And I prefer Hitchcock's original Man Who Knew Too Much to the remake with you know, Doris Day. So I think you've seen directors who've done this before, but I don't know if there's any who've made that many changes and that much improvement film to film. So I think I'm talking myself into a vote for Rescue Dawn, even though my heart is with Heart of Glass. Um, Rescue Dawn. A vote for Little Leader into Rescue Dawn. Christy. My heart is with Heart of Glass because it was the decision of his that he made that the mood was not be- the you know the story is basically like almost a fairy tale um it's in a fairy tale setting and the actors weren't getting it across this etherealness and the whole hypnotizing the cast was a brilliant move and it really worked. And there is nothing else like Heart of Glass. There isn't. Um, I think that Little Dieter was great. And I really like Rescue Dawn. But I feel like those are both just movies he made. Whereas Heart of Glass was like a piece of him that he had to make. So Heart of Glass. A vote for Heart of Glass, Mr. Ortiz. Uh, I've not seen Heart of Glass. Um, though for everything I've heard uh, of it uh, certainly agrees with, with Christy in terms of 
of what it does for the performance and the mood and the feel of, of the the movie, which is, uh, I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't seen them, but you know, when, because of the box set, I, I have kind of seen pieces of most of these movies because we had to find images and things like that. So that, I mean, even in just kind of a cursory, you know, look through the movie and even looking through the, the photographs, you can see exactly what, what's being talked about there. And it is really kind of a remarkable achievement, but I think, I think we're getting one thing wrong when we call Rescue Dawn a remake. It's not a remake of the other movie. It is another separate movie. I mean, if, if, if both were fiction, then that would be a remake. But he's really just looking at the same story twice. I don't really think you could call that a remake um, because he's looking at it in, in two such different ways, one through the, the lens of fiction, one through the lens of documentary and i'm using air quotes because certainly you know like we said all documentaries are still uh that sort of vision but um th- there's a, a difference in 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 when it, it when you fictionalize it you strangely make it bigger and make it more dramatic and more powerful and more heroic in a strange sense um although the your emotional reaction is different. I think there's, there's always a more of a detachment, uh, in, uh, in, in documentary, whereas in narrative film, it, it's really something that involves you emotionally. And, and it's, it's the creative vision of, of a larger number of people. Um, I, I just, you know, cannot stop praising, uh, Christian Bale in, in, in this performance. And I think, uh, that, that's one of the things that, that really becomes kind of unique about this and interesting that we're actually filtering it through uh, another creative. So, because I just think that's such a, such an amazingly cool idea and, and creative thing to do to, to take two such different approaches to the same material. Uh, I got to give it to Herzog for that. A vote for Mr. Herzog and Mike D. Um, I believe uh, Christy said that Heart of Glass was a, a part of part of him, part of Herzog himself, and and the the Dieter Dawn movies are more just just movies. So um, since I'm not a fan of Herzog, I don't want to vote for a part or any of him. So I'm going to vote for Dieter Dawn. You're so lame. <laughs> Sorry, it's all right because even if he even if he had tied it up, I was still going to spitefully hold the fact that he calls Blondie's song "Heart of Glass" one of the first rap songs. I did it, David. Her. Talk about not listening to people. I said you it's said, considered. Yeah, it's considered. Other people, I didn't say me. The fact "Rapper's that you... Delight" by Sugar Hill Gang was the first rap song. That one's considered one of the first rap songs. There's actually rap from the 1950s and 60s. Thank you. That is not part of the rap genre. Anyway, Rescue Dawn, <laughs> or Rescue Dieter, is moving on, and we are on to our next fight. Uh, Christy, this one is yours. It is the box set versus Working in Seven Continents. The box set, because it is so amazing, and you can get it for so cheap, and it was one of the first things I bought um, in my dvd slash blu-ray collection it really was um i was just graduated high school i was starting college i was working a bunch of jobs and one of them was barnes and noble and it's working in the music department and what catches my eye but this well two beautiful box sets they're like the only thing that was like simple simple design and beautiful colors um but also containing one of my most favorite directors films. So I'm going to vote for the box set. 
just all up in Mike Ortiz's crack. Uh, oh, my God. Mr. Ortiz. I don't know what that was. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still going to gonna vote for it. Um, like I said, it is my, it is the, it, not just in terms of the, uh, the ability to kind of get it out there the way that I want alone, but it it is actually the favorite of all the things that, that I've, I've done at Anchor Bay and it actually did win uh, a design award. So I'm, I'm very proud of it and I will continue to vote for it as long as I have the opportunity. Oh, except I will, I, I would if if Michael and I could have like sharked it, because especially then there's two of us, so all we need to do is to keep swaying one person, and maybe we could have done that. That would have been just sort of a fun, although highly inappropriate, way to game this particular uh, way to do this. Uh, but in all reality, if the you know even I would not, in like a final round, say that you know something that I did was the best of either of these two guys. I'm not that equanimate. I'm still voting for it now. <laughs> I'll, I'll get into the finals if you'll take it. <laughs> Oh, Mike D. Um, yeah, Mike does have a beautiful box set. <laughs> um, so, you know what? I've been waiting for this shooting a film on every continent to die for three rounds now. And since there's already two two votes for it, let's put a nail in that coffin. And we're voting for box set, so it'll move on and kill that continent crap. Greg? You know, there is nothing more satisfying than knowing that you've passed, you've cast the winning vote, and there's no way the other two people are going to change their mind. I won't even try to persuade. I'll just give one last vote of pity to the every continents. Which, because of digital technology, I think he might be the only person that ever does it because it's unnecessary to go places now. Oddly enough. So I, I don't know that any other director will ever do it. What? Box sets. Moving on. On to our next fight. Mr. Ortiz, this one is yours. It is Please Kill Mr. Kinski. That's right. We're back to Kinski versus it is Pagnini, but I'm going to call it Panini. I have not seen Paganini, um, but I did a Google search on it, and um, the, you want to talk some fucking crazy Klaus Kinski pictures. He looks like a fucking Planet of the Apes because he's got these huge mutton chops and big thick black wig although honestly the packaging and the the like theatrical key art posters are really uh really kind of nice um and there's apparently lots of big boobs in this movie too which doesn't Ooh. surprise me with uh with kinski um so part of me wants to uh vote for it but uh but i'm not uh vote for please kill mr kinski uh mike d what is it with people not voting for boobs it's like the second time you voted against boobs earlier, and Mike just. I am pro because boob I don't want to think am, the best of Klaus Kinski is boobs. The best That's of freaky. everything is boobs. Okay. No, no. In all seriousness, though, I think that you know, I, 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 I I'm actually going to vote for, uh, for, for please, please kill, Mr. Kinski, because um, I mean the the arguments have all been made before, but you know, I think that. It really seems to kind of really embody what it was like to to work with this person, and you know that's that's an experience that that obviously nobody's ever going to have now. But you know, even before, how many people would actually get? So to get kind of a a look inside that world is is pretty fascinating. So I'm actually going to vote for uh, please kill Mr. Kinski. Greg. 
Uh, g- give me a second. I'm on Netflix adding Paganini to my uh, queue. <laughs> <laughs> so in that respect, I suppose I am voting for boobs. But no, I think really seriously, the uh, the story here is Kinski is somebody who is so poisonous and toxic to the filmmaking process that a director actually released a monologue uh, telling a story of people wanting him dead for yeah the, the movie was better with him dead than with him alive that i think tells a much better picture than uh, a last gasp effort to become an auteur so please kill klaus kinski christy yes what greg said was basically what i was going to say so please kill mr kinski this is bizarre you can buy that movie for five dollars and 99 cents on amazon instant watch buy it for me i'm not buying it for you buy it for me no you know to the the question of of whether or not this crew had the follow-through to actually kill him i think on watching it you will clearly realize it was the fear of incarceration, not any respect for the man or <laughs> right, his life. Right. I mean, there would have been an insurance company investigation and people could have gone to jail. <laughs> but um, please kill Mr. Kinski is moving on. Uh, Mike D, this fight is yours. It is ra- him turning down Raiders and saying that the script was shitty versus how he eats a sandwich and creature. <laughs> yeah, that. This is probably a tougher call for me than it should be because I think the Raiders thing was a pretty decent uh, slight and all the, the the other things we've already said, but I just I can't I can't get past the the sandwich thing and all the other wonderful things that it that it that it brought up. So um, yeah, but do I really want to be that petty that's swayed by a woman missing a couple limbs eating a sandwich? Yeah, I think I am going to be that guy. I'm going to go with sandwich. Uh, vote for sandwiches. Uh, Greg. Yeah, this is the point in time to make the decision about whether or not the vote is going to go to something Kinski did, even if it was relatively unimportant, like weirdly eating a sandwich, as opposed to voting for something he didn't do. So I'm going to vote for uh, eating a sandwich and creature. Christy. The eating of a sandwich is actually on the film, whereas him saying the Raiders script is shitty is not. So, sandwich. Mike Ortiz. Um, I- I'm, I'm also going to vote for the sandwich. I mean, Hollywood is filled with stories of people passing on, on great things, and I think a far better story is the uh, the Sean Connery passing on the matrix because he didn't understand it, passing on Lord of the Rings because he didn't understand it, and then accepting League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because he didn't understand it and he thought it was going to be hugely successful like the others. So, uh, Kinski's not the worst example of this, uh, by, by a long shot. And, you know, strangely, quietly, Kinski eating a sandwich becoming a juggernaut, which is almost appropriate because it's weird and bizarre. And, and, you know, maybe that's kind of the strength of Kinski himself is the weirdness and the bizarreness. And maybe that's, maybe Kinski would vote for the sandwich, especially if like an armless woman was eating one. Um, so yeah, sandwich. You know, what's funny about our final four and it's actually she cut the sandwich too. She didn't just eat it. She cut it. That's first. impressive <laughs> regardless. Of it really was. 
I, I'm pretty sure Michael Felsher would be extremely happy with the final four that we came up with. Why? Because I think most of these are <laughs> <They're all> picks. <laughs> <laughs> he did this on purpose. With the exception of one. He's controlled are, our minds. He is. He, that's why he's so sick. I actually kind of really do want to watch Please Kill Mr. Kinski. I might rent it for the dollar ninety nine. It's a dollar ninety nine to rent it for seven days. Yeah, don't buy it. But it's five ninety nine and you get a digital copy you can have forever. And then I can give it to people. Buy so it. It, support like me. your local filmmakers. Support local Wait, if it's on Amazon, you can't give it to people. You can't. It's DRM'd. Oh, then never mind. I will rent it. Uh finals. Christy, which is the best thing of uh, a Mr. Herzog? Is it uh, Little Dieter and then reworking the whole thing into a, a fictional movie, uh, w- which is Rescue Dawn, or the Mike Ortiz inspired box set? Well, if I can call this both of the box sets, if I can call this box sets, I will go with box sets because Dieter is in one of them and you can pick up rescue dawn at like target for five bucks in the bargain bin so box sets uh no no you can't i I actually work in the electronics department uh it's not on the shelves at the moment rescue dawn is not available you could when it was available i'm just saying it's not there okay i'm sorry mike um i will continue to vote for the box set because then there's a possibility it gets beaten by eating a sandwich in the finals um, but I will share a couple of, of, of little stories and actually will explain a, a strange rationale as to why I would vote for it in this context. Um, but like I said, this was really, and, and, you know, I joked about both, you know, the other box set being just like a cheap money grab. Uh, but it, I mean, it did follow the design and it, and it was very clearly intended to, to kind of be part of it. And that box set wound up being kind of the, the definitive premium box set format for for all of anchor based stuff so it actually you know for me it's always going to have that positive association and there's a you know a lot more My, michael and i had you know plenty of stories about the making of this and i mean it it didn't go off without a hitch there were lots of weird bullets to be dodged but they all got dodged and we actually both joked that this box set was our Fitzcarraldo. um you know we were dragging it up the hill uh, so there were actually things, but the thing is, everything still, no matter what kind of fell in your way, did get surmounted, um, you know, especially once I got into production phases. But in any event, the other reason is even though I, I love and sing the praises of Little Dieter, uh, Anchor Bay, uh, the Anchor Bay that existed when Rescue Dawn came out was a very different company. And we wound up repackaging Little Dieter, which was in the Herzog, which in, in the Werner Herzog box set, but it was also available separately. We wound up repackaging it and basically just completely ripping off the movie poster for Rescue Dawn down to the font. And so that's a good example of, of, of where creativity ultimately wound up. I hope I don't get fired for saying that, as opposed to where it was at the height of, uh, the Herzog Kinski box set. So one has a very strong personal uh, reminder of, of kind of the success of artistic integrity. And the other one reminds me that no, actually what I mostly do is try and rip off successful things. (laughs) Mike D. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to focus all of Christie's bargain hunting talk was, you know, to a Jew, that's pretty much like catnip, so I got to focus here. Um, okay, so Dieter, I think what it comes down to here is 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 the the, the turning 
Dieter into Don um, is on, on Herzog's side of the bracket, but the box set really encapsulates both of them. And when we talk about Kinski versus Herzog, the, the box set is about is about both of them, and not only about both of them, some of it is actually about Kinski versus Herzog. So I, I, you know, is as impressive as what he did, you know, turning truth into fiction or reinterpreting it or however you want to say it. I think that that the box set really kind of, like I said, encapsulate what this whole category is all about. So I vote for the box set. Another vote for the box set. Uh, Greg. Yeah, it's a clean sweep. I'm going to make an argument that I'm going to turn on its head later and probably just, you know, betray my own logic. But at least at this point, it's uh, six movies versus two. You know, then there's a lot more of the connection between Kinski and Herzog in the box set. Box set is representing. So, so wait a minute. That means the final four were picks of Michael's and something he worked on. What? Maybe. How did he do this? I don't know. Fucking Jeff. He made us feel guilty that he wasn't here. We're like, oh, Michael. Here's here's what we'll Michael would have said. <laughs> How did he do this? He's amazing. Yes, Michael is amazing. But the Herzog box set is in the final. Uh, what is it going to be up against? Uh, Mike Ortiz. Uh, it is yours. It is please kill Mr. Kinski versus him eating a sandwich. I'm sticking with the sandwich. Uh, please kill Mr. T- Kinski is an encapsulation, but it is not something that uh, that is part of, of Kinski's creative himself. Um, so I will vote for it. Plus, I think, uh, you know, this is the itchy, a very quiet, itchy King Tut's asshole. Uh, for this particular geek fight. All right. All right. It's not that. King Tut's asshole. It's just eating a sandwich. Uh, Mike D. So it's eating King Tut's asshole now? What? Wow. Fond, fond memories. Um, wow. The sandwich, I'm really fond of it and all the other things that have come along with it, but I understand it's something Kinski did, but please kill Mr. Kinski you know, does does anything else better represent than something that is dedicated to how much people wanted to kill him? Because it sounds like people did want to kill him. So even though it's not what he did was inspire people to want to kill him, and this is what that documented. So I think it does represent something he did, and even on a more significant level than crazily eating a sandwich. So I am going to vote for Please Kill Mr. Kinski. A vote for please kill Mr. Kinski. Greg. Well, as they say in the county, you can just add a zero to the end of what Mike D just said. I really feel like please kill Mr. Kinski represents both sides of this bracket pretty well. We've got stories on on one side of, of uh, you know, uh, Herzog threatening to kill Kinski to keep him making movies. Stories on this side of the bracket of people who've worked with him wanting him dead including this from a director, not just a group of traumatized extras. And yet you don't really seek the demise of somebody who isn't in some way, either extraordinarily charismatic or extraordinarily threatening. If he was just ordinary, if he didn't belong on in this geek fight at all, 
then there wouldn't be such a thing as please kill Mr. Kinski. But the reality is he was extraordinary in every way, drawing extraordinarily positive and extraordinarily negative responses. In this case, getting himself into a position of such influence that he was able to actually take over what should be a director-led medium and presumably do things that betrayed not just the director, but also the writer before him and the editor after him. And uh, to me, that's a that's a testimony that, who knows, maybe Kinski actually would have been proud of. And it, it represents kind of the madness that was Kinski a little bit better than um, eating a sandwich. So I'll, I'll vote for Please Kill Mr. Kinski. I'll vote for Please Kill Mr. Kinski. Uh, Christy? I was going to vote for a sandwich until Greg said what he said just then. And I completely agree with him. I am voting for Please Kill Mr. Kinski. And Please Kill Mr. Kinski is into the final. We've got the Mike Ortiz, Michael Felsher box set of Werner Herzog and Klaus Kinski from Anchor Bay versus the uh, short documentary, um, Please Kill Mr. Kinski. Uh, Christy, why don't you just go on that one? I... Okay, I haven't seen Please Kill Mr. Kinski, but the way we talk have been talking about it, I feel like it clearly represents uh, Kinski. The box set, the Herzog slash Kinski box set, um, represents Herzog's artisticness, but isn't a personal doesn't personally represent him for me. Um, however, though the box set wasn't the first Herzog thing I had purchased, um, it definitely allowed me to appreciate him more. So, just based on how much I love Herzog, I will vote for the box set right now. But I am kind of leaning towards please kill me Mr. Kinski so I'd like to hear everyone else talk first I'll vote for the box set Mr. Ortiz uh, th- this is this is strange because ultimately what we've come down here is is in many ways uh, is things that are about them more so than the things that they've done um, which which is really kind of odd I mean and and I, I'm going to vote for the box set because I said, even though I said I wouldn't, because I didn't think that this, I, w- I think something I did uh, would be the, uh, you know, should represent the best of it. But now it's, you know, me versus just, you know, someone else. So it's not, it's not like, a, I mean, either way, it's not a product of Herzog and Kinski. Yet it is because the box set, you know, even though I worked on it, it is still those movies, regardless of who did it. Uh, that's ultimately, I guess, an expression of the collaboration between these two. And, and again, the reason why those two are so kind of intrinsically linked, um, and, and the personal reasons, what the hell I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. I mean, it's not just it, for me, it's not just kind of praising myself, even though, like I said, I'm very proud of it. Um, not only was it kind of an artistic success, uh, from my perspective, but it was also a financial success. Uh, and I think kind of a validation that with certainly with some things, uh, what people really do want is something that they think is good. 
we originally didn't think we would sell all 5,000 copies of, of, of the thing. It was actually, if you look at the original flyer, I think it does actually kind of say limited to 5,000 and they, they vanished and, you know, immediately it was like, well, Borders wants another 3,000, but we don't have any. So we had to kind of keep manufacturing it. And actually that first box set is a little bit different because uh, the construction of the box and the uh, the cases actually were individually colored. But, you know, there was only a limited supply of these and, and we never was able to manufacture more. So we had to switch things. Um, so it, w- it was hugely successful for, for Anchor Bay for that kind of an ex- a very expensive product. So for me, it also kind of represents, you know, just the, the success of sometimes doing something that you think is good, which I think is what both of those guys were trying to do. And they did. And let's face it, people bought it not because of my contribution, but because there were these, you know, great movies in there that people wanted to see. I've done packaging on a lot of things that bombed a lot. Good packaging, too. They still bombed. Supergirl. Supergirl. Yeah. yeah. Supergirl. Um <laughs> Mike D. Yeah, I don't I don't think that it's made it this far only because you and, and Michael worked on it. If it wasn't if it wasn't a quality, you know, entry, it wouldn't have made it this far. So the fact that you personally worked on it is 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 a bonus um and is a merit for it, but it's not it's only merit. I think that you know, when we talk about, you know, the, the whole concept of Kinski and Herzog and their collaboration, their relationship is acrimonious and harmonious as it seems to have been off and on. I think the that the box set, like I said, I know I've used this word a lot tonight, but it encapsulates that. And I think it really represents it, it, it well. It has the movies they made. It has commentary. Um you know, from them, you know, about them. And, you know, I think again, when it, when it, when it comes to, you know, Kinski, you know, versus Herzog, you know, what, what better, you know, please kill Mr. Kinski focuses on, on Kinski. And that would be great. But in the scheme of what we're trying to accomplish here, I just, I personally don't see how that could, could beat out a box set that is, that is dedicated to, the artistic collaboration that that those two had and you know the successes you know regardless of how i feel about them personally there's no doubt that they were both very talented people and they accomplished great things in their craft and this box set celebrates that so i you know as 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 much as i've I've come to the concept of this please kill mr kinski is i'll watch it at some point and i'll probably actually like it but in terms of what we're doing here, I just I don't think I could possibly vote for anything but the box set at this point. Greg, yeah, it really ultimately comes down to to which story you know you want to tell, because the box set is clearly the story of these two men laid out on six films, one specifically and particularly. And in some ways, though, I, I still look over at the "Please Kill Mr. Kinski" and say. You know, that doesn't directly have anything to do with Herzog, but I guarantee the the director is probably speaking for lots of people who encountered and worked with Kinski and not just, you know, not just you know, dealing with the one film in crawl space. So it's kind of very tempting to say, hey, here's a little short film I may never get an opportunity to see. It's the story that I'll take with me. Um, 
that and the other sort of uh, the uh, you know hitman hit squad sort of things that came up. But at the end of the day, when you look at this this box set as an entry, it comes down to the uh, the box set gets released. Christy loves it. She's got a relationship with the director. She buys it immediately as soon as she sees it. Um, Mike has problems with the director. Uh, the box set reinforces those problems. And I think in each one of those cases, it's it's job done. I'm truly, well and truly, somewhere in the middle here. Uh, I've seen, I don't think I've seen a movie by Herzog in my lifetime twice yet. So I've got a laser disc somewhere downstairs of Fitzgeraldo. I've seen it once. And that's an interesting thing that, that I'd be the lukewarm one in the crowd. But when it comes to revisiting you know, these two men and answering the questions, it's the box set that I'm going to look to. There's one exception that I'd make before I throw the clean sweep out there. And that's going through this process of looking at the careers of these two guys. Have any of you seen the uh, Peter Brook film, Marat Saad? No. no. Okay. So he's basically a theatrical director. He makes a movie. The movie is based on a play of the life of the Marquis de Sade and the years that he was uh, institutionalized in an asylum. And so Peter Brook takes the story into an actual asylum and gets committed mental patients to play the various roles. So he's essentially shooting the story of the Marquis de Sade institutionalized in an institution with institutionalized patients playing many of the key roles. And the one thing that jumps out at me is this is the kind of project that Herzog would have done, and it's absolutely the kind of project that Kinski should have starred in. But since that movie's not available to vote for, the box set gives me six others, and I think that's a clean sweep. No thinking about it. It's a clean sweep. Episode over. We're wrong. Uh because we're always wrong because everybody has their own opinion and it's okay. But you know, I just realized something. What's that? Um one, for, first I started feeling kind of weird and bad and guilty because yeah. I'm the one who put my own fucking work on this list. Yeah. So? Um but it is also victory for Michael. I mean yes. he, I, uncharacteristically <laughs> Michael I mean Michael wouldn't have put it on here. Uh doesn't take as much credit for this as he probably should. Um, he will tend to let me kind of take more of the credit, but it is still very much it. So this is every bit of victory for him as well. Yay! And then he also won on Christopher Walken and Best of Michael. How was Michael won three geek fights? <laughs> <laughs> and you were on Best Sidekick and went out in round one. Yes. <laughs> no. Round two. Oh, sorry. The sorry. first time, the second time I went out. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> the only way I can I can win is to hitch myself to Michael. Yeah, he, how's he juggling on, on this show? And he's not even fucking here. Jedi uh, mind trick shit. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, <laughs> thanks to Christy, uh, Jared, and Chris. If you've been listening this long, you know exactly what they do. Uh, Jared is uh, Hey Star Trek. And Chris has a ten four podcast, so you can check him out there. Uh, Christy has nothing but the wikia that she's going ah, to complete one day, one six years six years after the show is over. Uh, does anybody have anything they'd like to plug again? Uh, 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 Mike D. I forgot your name, Mike. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, my name is Mike D. And the only thing I have to plug is the real Mike D. Blogspot. Com. And inappropriate conversation, Greg Blanchard. Do you have anything? It, it dawns on me that a, a few months ago, I looked at uh, uh, 
Toshiro Mifune and Akira Kurosawa as a pairing on inappropriate conversations, talking about film, which I do from time to time. And uh, there's no way I'm ever going to name either one of these two guys as a different drummer. So that's just not going to happen. I'm glad it happened on Geek Fights. Uh, inappropriate conversations is at inappropriateconversations.org. Listen to it on a weekly basis, or, or, or at least download them. You don't actually have to listen. That's one of the things about podcasts that people don't realize. Just downloading them is really nice. It helps us out. You just download it. You don't have to listen. <laughs> I've had people tell me that they listen part way, and either uh, either they're religious people and the politics derails them, or they're, they're secular people and the religious material derails them. I said, hey, you know what? That's half a victory. You can put those together anytime you want to. See? See? Ortiz, you've got stuff to talk about. Uh, yeah, you can, uh, find me every week on the Week in Geek podcast on, uh, on YouTube. Podcast? Podcast, a video show, sorry. Thank you. Um, uh, I'm also doing the, uh, cover for the Week in Geek variant for Hoax Hunter Zero, which probably comes out around the time you hear this. Uh, one other thing I want to do though, now Michael, uh, may record something for this, uh, because, uh, the last time he was on, he said he wanted to, uh, do shout outs to Dr. Love's erotic superstore awesome. on every episode. <laughs> uh, maybe he will do this. Maybe he won't. But uh, if he doesn't, I'm going to, to do one for him uh, in his honor, just in case, especially because he fucking won this. Uh, this is a uh, Dr. Love's. It is under sex toys for women subcategory clit cuddlers. It is the waterproof waterproof clitoral hammer. Uh, the very first uh, entry uh, the, oh, sorry, Hummer, even better. The clitoral Hummer has contoured scoop for optimal stimulation, plus a gyrating nub for intense action. The multi-speed vibrations will allow you to find a setting that best fits your needs. The handle of this vibe is ergonomically designed for better performance. Totally waterproof. The stimulator is perfect for fun in and out of water. You will felt like you have never felt before satisfied. That's from Dr. Love's erotic superstore. <laughs> Can I make a request for Mike to read one? Just send him an email. Oh, okay, I'll do that. No, do it in the show. Then we find if he does it, we find out later. It'll be a super surprise because you guys surprise. don't edit anything. We sometimes Mike does edit things <laughs> uh, okay. occasionally. Um, Babylon Five fans, uh, now's the time to get off your fucking asses and watch some more Babylon Five if you haven't, because we're doing an episode, even if it's just Mike. I'm not kidding. Yeah, we are doing. I will, I will answer five parts if I have to. It's going to be one of the worst episodes we ever do. Oh, not one of. <laughs> I'll be on if you guys don't find. Yeah, we are. You I are on. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know. <laughs> start. Uh, those of you who uh, start start making up Star Wars versus Star Trek versus because the final episode is just Star Trek versus Star versus Star Wars. There's no brackets. It's just fights. Uh, and that, it, is that one that like everyone's on? Uh, not necessarily. It could be, maybe, but uh, there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of fights, and we're going to do them all, and it's going to be great. Except for you may not hear them all because I know at some point Mike is just going to stop recording, and that will be the end of Geek Fights. <laughs> we're we, we're going to fade out, people. Oh, definitely. That's, that's <laughs> we're not that's, ending big. We're not ending big. We are fading away slowly, and and. <laughs> It's awesome. Didn't we talk about doing that 24-hour geek, hour geek fight? That, that's what I was talking about. That's, oh that's the final episode. That's the final episode. It's <laughs> a 24-hour. 
I mean, to participate in. No, no. We'll it do it in awful. It, it's only oh, okay, awful okay. for me. I will be there for every moment of it. Mike can walk away from the computer. He just has to say, oh, hang on a second. It's been three hours. I'm going to pause the recording and start a new one. And, and that's all he has to do. And I will no, I be here. I probably break it up every hour. Oh, okay. Or two hours. That's their, the 24-hour the podcast did it every hour. Two hours would be good for us because we, we do two-hour episodes. So, yeah, every two hours we make an every, episode break. Every two hours. I, I'm, I'm not kidding about this. Anybody can be on, even people that I don't want it to be on. They can be on our final episode. Uh, we're just going to just keep going until there's nobody else to talk about Star Trek versus Star Wars. We are going to exhaust At the end, it'll just be Damon in a complete delirium doing the fights himself. Yes. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Sitting you, naked. I'm always sitting naked, but you, you yeah. people think you people think I'm joking right now. This is exactly how it's going to end. And then the secret episode is after that. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I, I guess I could explain it. Uh, no. There, no, there aren't 175 episodes. I'm not going to tell you what the secret episode is, but there aren't actually 175 episodes. So we're because, finally going to reveal the secret here. No yeah. one's ever noticed. No, nobody's ever noticed that there aren't actually 175 episodes. It were, uh, episode 42 got lost. We already knew that. Right. So there aren't 175 episodes. We wanted to end on 175 episodes. So we actually have to do an episode after our final episode. <laughs> yeah, since we, if you look, if you look back, we actually skipped the numbering. So this is actually not 169 or whatever it should be. This would be it's 168. One... Our, our numbering has been <laughs> off the whole time. It yeah, it is 168. Nine, 169. 169. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damon, when are you doing the Babylon Five episode? Because I have a friend who really loves that show. So yeah, there are a lot of people who really love that show. They don't want to <laughs> talk about it. Yeah, no, that's what I'm time. saying. If when are you recording it? Because I can, if they want to do it, when are you planning on? It's and if, okay, they'll just bail. Probably two weeks. Two, three weeks. Yeah, it's it's really the, really soon. Jared's is the next one, right? Yeah. Okay, I'll have them contact you if they want. All to right. Yeah. Sure. They won't be on. The, the, okay. They'll Dude, go. I love why because I recommended this. them. No, we've tried this twice and like people bail at the last minute. The last minute, <laughs> to everybody's like, the topic. Nope. We had to. We, there was one time where we had to just come up with a completely new topic and just record an episode the like, <laughs> like, same like day, twenty four hours before the show <laughs> was recording. Yep. Yeah, that, that's that's how bad Babylon Five has treated us. We're gonna have an easy time with Jump the Shark moment, but Babylon Five. <laughs> yeah, those were the two that we promised and never delivered. Yeah, and that's why we're doing them at the end. At the like end. this, this is why we never delivered them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Basically, we, we, these, these shows are going to suck, people. Oh wait, yeah. But Until we next time, and that's what we're doing. Because, because we're still going. Until next time, keep fighting the geek fight. Good night, man. Now we just get sloppy out. now that we're done. Oh yeah, uh, it's great. This this just in. Yeah, Paganini is not available on Netflix. <gasps> oh shit! Oh no.
JJ Star Trek sucks. Right. Because it doesn't. Can't anybody just go, man, I really like Benedict Cumberbatch. Or, oh, what, what other, what, let's put him in a comic book movie. What villain he, could he play in a comic book movie? Ooh. Let's finish this episode and then we'll do that. Too bad Loki's <laughs> taken. He could have nailed that. Oh, he would have nailed the shit out of Loki. Oh, Although, pretty much oh, he's there. awesome. That's why I would yeah. not want. I mean, I don't want another Loki. But if if Cumberbatch had done it and we had never seen Hiddleston, that would have been a badass Loki. I'm just trying to. Uh, anyway, uh, Greg, you're back. Yes. Yes. My new money's on a Silver Surfer. Ooh, he would be a Ooh. good Silver Surfer. Cold, detached. Yeah, I like good that. voice. Good voice. Great voice. Good not call. Good. Yeah, because he's smog. So uh, we've already heard him as smog. That's pretty badass. For, for a movie that I'm going to see in the theater in 3D, but he's I he's very not good like at being superior. That's why I was when he was first cast. I was like, oh man, they should make him a Vulcan. Yeah, <laughs> he'd be a badass Vulcan. He's really good at acting superior to everybody. That's why I was hoping he'd be Cyborg. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, the, <laughs> J. J. James is going to remake Star Trek too. He's going to remake Star Trek Five. Star Trek five. Yep. Fuck and everyone's like, no, no, not Cyborg. And after that, Spock's brain. The movie. Oh. Ah. Uh. I would totally see that. That would be awesome. Yeah, I could get very enthusiastic about remaking mediocre track. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's not even mediocre. That's just like a like season three joke track because like half of season three was just like it's not that it was badly written. It was just like bad. I don't. No, it's not even that it's bad. It's just it's just the writers were like, I don't fucking care anymore. Let's just do this. <laughs> kind of like the last. It's like now episode. it's like how episodes are now. Like. What all can we do in one episode? It was like that then. It was awesome. I love you know, season. I don't remember who made a, an interesting point that Star Trek Five was a remake of Way to Eden. Yeah, brother. I think that would be uh, Chris Wood. Yeah, uh, maybe, probably, could be. But he like, loves that's Way actually to kind Eden. of an interesting point. They're both hated, and I like both of them. <laughs> yeah, I think. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh. I think you've got to you got to give that observation a full on Herbert Award. It's that good. <laughs> Herbert, 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 Herbert. They're both about, you know, ultimately they're about one man's ego and obsession, both yeah. behind the camera and in front. <laughs> Fuck that. I'll pee in a diaper to get a truck.